Hey, welcome to the 223rd episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to The Secret Podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Currently discussing Ultimate Spider-Man from 2000, Brian Michael Bendis and Mark Bagley. So you can hear about that. Sometimes I talk about other things. I'm, I'm kind of thinking about trying to mix it up a little bit, but I'm not really sure what you might want. So let me know if there's like if, if you want me to do like a specific topic or something besides comics and movies. I'm open to suggestions. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to Patreon. No, not Patreon. I already said Patreon. Patreon.com slash G-Man from Heck. You can also go to Coffee.com slash G-Man from Heck. You can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. That is ko-fi.com slash G-Man from Heck. Yeah, I've thought about it so many times. Like, I should just like pre-record this, just use the same intro. Ever, but yeah, I, obviously, I don't do that. Um, also, just uh, I started recording. This is like take two, actually. I started recording, and then I, I thankfully I looked at my computer and I was like, oh, the mic was on the wrong. It was like on the built-in mic instead of the actual microphone, so it was like it wasn't really recording very much. It was. Yeah, so anyways, welcome to the show. There, There is a lot to talk about. Uh, what? What am I going to talk about? Uh, so this was a kind of weird week. I didn't go to the movies. There, there wasn't anything that opened, at least not in my theater. So the big feature this week is going to be Super Crooks. So I know that came out, when that came out, a week and a half ago or something. But I actually watched, there was 13 episodes, and... I'll, I'll talk more about it later. But, man, I, I watched it all within 24 hours. You know, I, yeah, so I watched it all. I stayed up late watching it. And uh, it was it was, it was was good. And, it yeah, you'll hear more about that. I also somehow managed to watch Masters of the Universe Revelations, the second part. And by managed, I, I think because of the under 30-minute episodes, and it was just, what, like five episodes or six episodes, whatever, five episodes, I think. So I was able to, to watch that in one night, which, again, was nice because you know how I feel about having to watch all this stuff and, you know, feeling, feeling compelled to watch it and just trying to keep up with it. Because I also had to finish Cowboy Bebop, which I got a little head start with that. So you'll hear about the second half of Cowboy Bebop. We have an episode of Hawkeye, which I'm loving that show. We have a, a level up. Actually, I don't know if this episode really leveled up so much with the, the Flash. And then the season finale of Chucky. So I'm a little sad that the season's over, but it was, it's, it's been a great show. And then the latest Dexter comics and the news. So um, big news? Any big news? Not, not a whole lot of big news. Well, I guess kind of one big news is uh, Amy Pascal, the producer for the Spider-Man uh, movies, had, so this No Way Home is supposed to be Tom Holland's final movie with the Marvel contract, the Marvel, Sony, everything. And I think he's mentioned before that he's like, yeah, I, I kind of don't really want to be, you know, he's he loves a role and everything, but he's like, I don't really want to be playing Spider-Man when I'm 30 or something like that, into his 30s. or So I think, I think he's 25 now, something like that. 
But Amy Pasco mentioned this is the last movie under contract, but we have more. There's like another trilogy coming with Tom Holland and Marvel and all this stuff like that. So it's like, wait, what? And the, the thing is, she's, I think, she, didn't she say something about Venom before in MCU? And Kevin Feige is like, wait, what? Or something. So we'll have to see. I mean, it's great. Obviously, you know, we want more Tom Holland. You know, he's he's been great as Spider-Man. And, and not just that. You know, it's it's also just they've been great productions. You know, we, we've had good stories. Maybe there might be some other casting questionable things that I won't get into this week since I talked about it last week. But the, the movies have been great. They've been fun. So obviously we want more. And I, I think that would be really cool to explore more because, you know, there's the possibility. Could we get a Sinister Six? And I'm a little actually not. I just mentioned that I'm a little hesitant about that just because we've seen what happens when there are so many villains it just it bogs things down which i'm i mean we'll we'll see i did get my ticket for no way home but it just feels like there's a lot going on there and if we're already going to have like multiverse stuff and other you know so many villains and it just when they cram too much it just it takes away but then again you look at something like endgame which was like crammed with like everyone and that was great so so we'll see about that but uh so hopefully we'll have more more spider-man stuff and and who knows will there ever be like spider-man meeting venom and and yeah so we got a lot there uh kobe smolders is uh, returning as maria hill in secret invasion and this came out as a big news thing and i I, I guess I kind of took it for granted. I, I didn't really think about it. I just assumed it was happening because, you know, we know Sam Jackson is going to be in it. And I just assumed, well, you know, Nick Fury and Maria Hill, you know, they're, they've been working side by side and, you know, they were last seen side by side. So it's like, why? I, I just like, assumed, but apparently not. So it, it's a no brainer. I mean, I'm, I'm glad they were able to make it happen because, uh, you know, if, if there was like, if, if Colby Smuller was like, oh, no, I'm not going to do this. You need to pay me, you know, quad whatever zillion dollars, you know, so I'm, I'm glad that she's going to be there. Because there's, there's still the whole thing about Nick Fury, Maria Hill and the scrolls and what's going on. And yeah, so in this. So, yeah, she has to be there. So I'm, I'm glad that that's happening. Speaking of like scrolls and doubles or whatever, apparently. Jessica Henwick. So Jessica Henwick played Colleen Wing in Iron Fist, and she was great in that. And I'm so bummed. I know people just like the bag on the show, whatever. And, you know, the show, yeah, wasn't perfect, had problems. But I was really curious. With the way that second season ended, um, don't ask me what happened in the beginning of the season, because right now off the top of my head, I could, probably couldn't tell you. <laughs> I really can't tell you. But at the end, the last episode, things just really got nuts. And, uh, you know, they were really mixing things up. I really wanted to see like what was going to happen with Colleen Wing and like the Iron Fist and with their swords and, and I guess we'll never know. But apparently, she had to choose between being in Shang Chi or the Matrix Resurrection, and she decided to, to go with Matrix. So, the, but the so the thing is, she chose Matrix because she's like I think she's kind of like you know there's there's a lot of Marvel movies. And, you know, while it's great and everything like that, being in a Matrix movie is is a rare opportunity because, you know, they've been talking about trying to do it. And, and you know, the Wachowskis are like, eh, you know, maybe not and everything like that. So she's like, you know, she's got to take advantage of the opportunity. So she decided to, to, to go with Matrix. 
But the the big thing, the big question, if she would have been in Shang-Chi, would she have been a different character? You know, would she have been Shang-Chi's sister? After which I forget her name. Would she have been the Aquafina role with Katie? Which maybe that would have been better. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I don't know because I don't think. I mean, if she would have been in there as Colleen Wing, that would have been awesome. But I don't think they would have done it. So and yeah, it's just it's weird if they're gonna start like reusing actors. And if you have a great actor, yeah, you know you want to take advantage of that. And if Iron Fist is dead, if the, and by dead by Iron Fist being dead, I mean like if the show and they're not moving forward in any directions with that corner of the universe, it would be a shame to waste a great actor like Jessica Henwick and you know not use her again. You know we we saw that with uh, um, Cersei. Um, what's her name? Gemma something. I don't know. I'm just curious if it if she would have been recast as a different character. Or she would have been, because I really don't think she would have been Colleen. But I could be wrong. So we, maybe, who knows if we'll ever find out. There was a new, I guess, trailer for Peacemaker. I didn't really see this pop up. I think I kind of saw something or whatever. I haven't watched it. So now I'm getting to the point. Actually, because I, I, I did see it pop up like on my Instagram feed, I think. It was like a sponsor thing, and, and I didn't click on it because I just didn't. <laughs> and... I, I also I kind of I don't know if I really want to want to see another trailer when it came up in my feed I just thought it was just like a like repurposed re-edited version of the first trailer just something for Instagram whatever so I didn't realize there was like a fully released separate trailer is like, I think that's what this is or maybe it's just like a clipper but I, I kind of don't I don't need to see anymore the the first trailer the last whatever trailer we saw was was good it was really good and it, I want to see it I want to watch the show I will watch the show so I don't I don't need to see anything more. I don't want any more spoilers. And I know I should be watching it to so I could discuss it. Sorry. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. <laughs> At least not right now. Uh, also with DC, apparently there's gonna be an, a Metal Men animated movie. And this is gonna be done by a bunch of like uh, some people who worked on Disney movies in the past. So people who did worked on like Aladdin, Little Mermaid, Princess and the Frog. So we're talking like old school classic animation. I think that's great. You know, for whatever reason, Hollywood or whoever is leaning towards, you know, CG movies. And may, maybe it's it's just a faster, easier production. But there's something about those, the classic, you know, we, we don't really get. What was the last, like, animated movie? We don't really get animated movies, do we? Because everything's like CG. It'll be interesting to see what they do with that, and it would be interesting to see how is it's is this going to be in a theater or is this like a HBO Max thing? Because I feel like it would be kind of hard to sell like an, a Metal Men movie to the general populace because they'd be like, the, "What Metal Who?" I I want to see that, but yeah, we'll see. And also DC, I guess Batgirl started production because I, th- I, I think I the the thought was it's starting in January, but I guess they decided to start it now, get a head start. But it, it's weird because then they're gonna have to shut down probably for the holidays. I'm, I'm assuming, and then they'll have to start up again, and then they'll probably have to make sure you know everyone gets tested before they come back because people might be traveling during the holidays, all that. So yeah, there's gotta be careful there. Uh, Robbie Amell, who was just in. 
Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City. It's so weird. It feels like I watched that so long ago. I mean, I guess it was oh, like a week and a half because I think I, I saw it on a Tuesday. So uh, he, I, I was like, why am I talking about Resident Evil now? Uh, he's going to – I saw like one thing. is like he's going to – he returns to the Flash. So I'm like, he's returning? But then I saw another headline. It's like he's guest starring, on it, which that would make more sense. So he's going to guest star on the Flash in this season eight. I I wonder, you know, is it just going to be a flashback? Because, you know, Caitlin just recently talked about, she's like, yeah, I think I'm, I'm finally ready to move on. And, I mean, that's great, you know, it's, if it's been eight years. And, you know, because she deserves happiness, you know, Caitlin, her, her character. So it'll, it'll be nice. I mean, it, not that it'll be nice for her. To, I mean, for her character or whatever. But I just wonder if they're going to do some sort of, like, weird flashback moment or something, which... I don't know. Or is it going to be like a multiverse other version? I don't know. So we'll find out. Uh, Renfield. I Somehow I didn't even hear about this. So you, there's a movie called Renfield coming out at Universal. Renfield apparently... So Renfield's going to be played by Nicholas Holt. He's apparently a character from Bram Stoker's Dracula. Because I never read, read that. I'm trying to remember the movie. I don't even know if Renfield was in a movie because that was like so long ago when that movie came out. So Renfield is apparently a lunatic inmate, or he's an inmate at a lunatic asylum. I guess he was bitten by Dracula, you know, and he's like having to eat like rats and bugs or whatever to keep up his energy or something. So he's going to be in it. And I don't know what, what the movie is going to be about because I know nothing about the movie. But what I do know is Nicolas Cage is going to be in it, and apparently he's going to be Dracula. So we got... Uh, Nicholas Holt as Renfield, so he's the main character in this movie. Nicholas Cage as Dracula, and I think I saw something that Aquafina is going to be uh, in the movie in some mystery role. So is she going to just be making jokes the whole time? Oh my gosh, Shang Chi! <laughs> so that, that, I mean, the thing about Shang Chi and Aqua, and not not, not I mean, again, nothing against Aquafina. I'm sure she's a, a, a splendid, nice person. But just the character, just cracking jokes every time, you know, it, it just bugs me. And this is what bothers me, like sitcoms or whatever, where like everyone is a stand-up comedian. You know, everyone is just cracking jokes left and right. You know, I, I try to crack jokes when I can, you know, and sometimes things just pop in my head and it's like I feel compelled to say it. And probably other people are like, can you just stop? Uh, but it's just... It's it's too much, and I know Marvel does the funny, and they do a good job putting in the funny and all that. But it was just it was just too much for me personally. Anyways, uh, other there's not a whole lot of other other news, but there's going to be a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie coming or series movie. And now I don't even know <laughs> coming to Netflix, and I didn't know anything about this. I, I got like the press release. I'm like, what? So I guess it's picking up like after the first movie or whatever, and uh, I think that's that's great. It's coming out in February, so uh, I I still don't I can't keep track of. I don't think I've seen all the different various Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies because I I was trying to watch and I watched. So I, I'm trying to think. I watched some on the the Secret Podcast. I think I talked about a couple. I know I talked about the Dennis Hopper one, which. Okay, so now I'm confused. I think that's part two. And the weird thing is because like that, the reason I watched it is because it was on Showtime. I'm pretty sure. And that was like on Showtime for like, it was like on there for the longest time. Maybe it's still on there. 
And I was like, why isn't anyone streaming any of the other ones that I haven't seen yet? Then there was one with, um, what a, what's her name, Alexandra Daddario, where she was like, she inherited a house. And so she was kind of like connected to the family. That was just a weird movie. And then I saw the Jessica Biel one back in the day. I'm trying to think if I saw the one with Matthew McConaughey and was it Reese Witherspoon? Were they in there? I don't know. But I think there's like a part three. I can't even keep track now I, because we have like the different continuities, new beginning and this and that. And I don't know. I, I really can't keep track of what I've Anyways, there's going to be a new Texas Chase. I'm sitting here. I can sit here just trying to. Yeah, that's not news. Uh, and then, but the last bit of news, Sylvester McCoy, I best known to me, and I know he's done lots of other things, as the doctor. So he was, he was in, in Doctor Who. He is going to be in Rob Zombie's The Munsters. And who is he playing? He's playing Igor. Igor. Who? Who the heck is Igor? I'm reading this. I, as, as I saw it, I'm like, at first, I'm like, is, is he Grandpa Monster? Have they already cast? Like, wait, what? And then Igor. And so I, I actually click an art, the article. I forgot where it was at. And it's like, he's playing the servant, Igor. I'm like, the monsters didn't have a servant. And then it turns out... He, I was like, wait, I've watched a lot of the Munsters. I'm not a Munsters expert. How do how can I not I'm how am I drawing a blank on who the heck is Igor? And what it turns out is Igor did not appear in the original show. Igor appeared in the 1981 TV movie The Munsters Revenge. Huh. Okay. So <laughs> that now I'm like, but maybe it's a good decision. There maybe there's a need for a servant. I don't know. Well, we'll see. So when is this movie coming out? Yeah, I try to talk about it every chance I get, but I don't even know when it's coming out. So what I do know, that's going to be the news for the week. All right with comic books at Image Comics, we had Deadly Class Forty Nine. Uh, we have like another another time jump happening here, and. Uh, what I don't like is this is this is the first chapter of the final arc. As in case you're not aware, I I love this series. Uh, you know Rick Remender and Wes Craig. I mean they've been doing such a great job, and I don't really know what it is. Uh, you know it's it's not like I I just love kids trained to be serial killer or not serial killers uh, assassins or whatever. But there's just been something about the just a combination of the writing and the art and like the colors and. Yeah, so this is the last one. And and things have just you know, the last few arcs have gotten have been pretty pretty dark and dreary. You know, there there's nothing upbeat or happy about this. Yeah, at least in the beginning, even though it started off with you know, things were kind of dark and everything like that, you know, there there's there's some good times, you know, Marcus and you know, making friends and you know, partying and whatever. But man, things are just <laughs> things are just so so dark and dreary. So, you know, Marcus is uh, helping Saya out, but, you know, she's she's got, a, like, a lot of baggage, and, you know, she's dealing with a lot, and there's a little more to it. Like, why exactly is he helping? And so it just, it just, you kind of get that sick, sick, not really sick feeling, but, like, a heavy feeling, like, man, this this is not going to go well, and 
it's like Marcus really what's what's happening here so we'll see then there is a Department of Truth issue 14 so this is a, I think this is like one of those like little sort of segue issues where you know it's just going whatever taking a little tangent and um, it, it kind of deals with we, we see more about this the crimson lady whatever the lady in red which it's kind of interesting. I mean, it is no. It's it's extremely interesting if you've been reading the series because you know it's like who is this lady? So we're, we're getting little tidbits, but one of the overall things with this, when we we see things kind of laid out, it's never, or at least to me in, in my my brain, it, it's never like a hundred percent clear. Like, okay, is this entirely accurate? You know, because there's so much dealing with like conspiracies and you know the different stories and stuff like that so even when things are are getting investigated and laid out it's like okay so is this a cover-up is this really happening did this happen or is this not happen is this in the mind and so we 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 get a little bit of information about her and there's also some stuff with like actually like l ron hubbard and and with uh, Scientology and, and that and just like organizing like stuff that he did and and just like just a history you know with like, there's some stuff with like Hitler and and more with obviously with with Lee Harvey Oswald and you know since he's involved with the series and everything. So there's just a, a lot going on here. And and one of the things, the the good thing, bad thing is there's there's always so much to read. And you know that that's a great thing because you're getting your money's worth. But sometimes this was. I'm trying to think. I think this was actually the last comic I read for some. Usually I I start reading like image first and didn't see i usually end with marvel just for what you know because of whatever and so this ended up being one of the last ones i read and it's just like oh my gosh it's taking me forever to read and I, I know that sounds bad but it just i i get overwhelmed and you know i'm not able to read everything that i want to read you know i wanted to uh, read the the Jeff Lemire Jock. Um, was it Snow Angels? Is that that the comicsology? I wanted to read that, and I I didn't even get to it. And there's a lot here, but but that's good because it's it's heavy, and you just have to really read it carefully because you know there's just so much information being laid out, and you know James Tynan is just, just <laughs> I I get a little little nervous. Like where are you coming up with all this stuff? <laughs> So uh, there's a lot of a lot of interesting things here. Uh, then we had King of Spies number one. So this is uh, this was interesting. This is Mark Miller and Matteo Scalera. So we got awesome creative team. I just read the synopsis instead of so I don't spoil too much. But the world's greatest secret agent has six months to live. Does he die quietly in a hospital bed, or does he make up for a lifetime of bad decisions? He's been propping up an unfair system for over 40 years now he knows where all the bodies are buried and has nothing to lose when he turns his gun on everyone who's ever made a buck creating the mess we're in right now that's an interesting synopsis i i'm always fascinated with those and, and you know i i think i've mentioned before a lot of times i don't read this you know especially when it's a new series i don't always read what the official blurb is because i i just want to read it and, you know it's if, if it's a creator creators that i know i'm going to read it and then you know, I'm always like, well, how do they describe this? So it's always always interesting with that. So it, it's cool that you know we, we get uh, you know like the badass secret agent dude, but you know because it starts off with like kind of like a flashback. So we see him like in the heyday, you know, in action, and then cut to the present where you know he's uh, I forget if it mentioned that he, I think he's like in his 60s or something like that, and 
you know, we see where he ended up after. Because, you know, it's it's not always, you know, you think about, like, James Bond in, in you know, his prime. Where is he going to end up, like, years later? You know, is, is he still going to have a great life or is he going to be a miserable life? Is he even going to live that long? So it's kind of interesting in that that way. So it, it's a it's off to a good start, and I, I definitely recommend it. Uh, you know, Mark Miller, you know, whatever he does is good. It seems like so. It, it's it's always fascinating to see these different things, and this is something I, I think I think I saw somewhere where this was. I don't know if this was created specifically in conjunction with Netflix. You know, since he's Miller World is working with them and. I, I can't wait. I, I would love to see that. And I have absolutely no problem if, if the idea is to create these comics to is also to create these properties because, you know, Mark Miller's done a lot of great things. I mean, look back at, you know, him doing the Ultimates within the Ultimate, uh, you know, the basically the Avengers and Ultimate Universe. So he, he's got a lot of good stuff. And, you know, you look at Old Man Logan and everything and, and obviously with Kick-Ass and... So I, I'm down. So I would say, you know, check this out. And I can't wait. I want to see, I want to see Chrononauts. I want to see Starlight. I want to see all this stuff. And also Magic Order, speaking of, um, the second issue of this came out. Now, my my one problem with, with this is I feel like I should have gone back and read the first ish, or first volume because uh, I, I think my memories, my brain is just so crammed with so much information over all these years that now you know, I'm starting to run out of room, maybe, or whatever. I don't know. Maybe I, and also I, I don't think I'm getting enough sleep, <laughs> but with this, it's, it's, I, I really like this world that we create. And that's the thing you'll, you look at this and you look at like Jupiter's legacy and, you know, Mark Miller, he's just doing this really great job, just really fleshing out, creating these, these deep, rich worlds and universes. And I'm really fascinated. And there's also something about seeing, all these people like you know with with the different stories involving magic you know there's there's different ways it works and everything like that but what i like here is that you know you see people with like magic wands and i don't maybe it reminds me a little bit of harry potter type of thing but it's just kind of cool seeing this i mean this is definitely not harry potter this is you know more more adult more serious and i'm just really looking forward to how this could be as a as a netflix show my concern would be: Is it going to end up being too expensive, like Jupiter's Legacy, and then not not happen? You know, not continue. I'm still bummed that we only got one season of that. But um, with with this, so you know, just it's like I said, continuing from the first volume and the first issue. You know, things have kind of changed. Um, you know, new people in charge because I was going to say there's a magic order. Duh, that's that's the name of the series. So it's not like if you you know know magic, you can just do what you want. You know, there there's kind of like rules and stuff like that, and you know, people in charge of everything. And even though that being said, you know, people still are kind of doing some things that they want to do. And so it's um it's 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 another really good good series. So if you haven't read the first volume, you should definitely you know check that out and read it. And now I just realized, oh, I thought I, I've read everything this week. I didn't read The Me You Love in the Dark, issue five. And this is the last series. And now I feel really bad. I was going to read it today because I had to, I had to finish I had to finish um, Department of Truth and The Me You Love in the Dark. And it, yeah, I dropped the ball. So I, I suck. 
So um, it's it's been a good series. Now, but the thing is, I'm really curious how, 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 since this is the last issue and things have been kind of building. So the me you live in a dark uh, in case you you don't remember me talking about it. But I talk about it every every month except for this month. This this woman, she's an artist, and she needs to, to get away to kind of work. You know, she has to do a bunch of paintings for a show coming up. She rents. She finds this uh, old like you know house, and it looks like it's haunt, and it is. It's like a, it's your typical haunted house. So she goes in there, and it turns out that like the spirit or whatever that is involved, she kind of starts sort of developing like this relationship with it. You know, first it would put on music while she's she's you know painting, or it would actually somehow make dinner and and stuff like that. But now they you know they eventually kind of hook up, which is like how does that work? And uh, this this spirit ghost entity is really becoming possessive of her, and like when her her art. Uh, dealer, manager, whatever comes like, okay, I haven't heard from you in a while, so he actually shows up on the door, and and it's like you need to get rid of him now, and it's like almost like violent and threatening, so um, things are things are gonna get a little messy, and so like I said, I'm I'm really curious about what this this last issue will bring, so you should be reading that <laughs> um, at DC. Because there, there is nothing at IDW, or I didn't read anything else. There's nothing at Boom. Um, at DC Action Comics 1037. So this, um, yeah, this is kind of crazy. Uh, okay, I'm just going to read this because I don't want to spoil things, but I'm trying to see what they spoil. The World War Saga Part Part 2. So Superman has gathered like sort of a team. They're going to War World to fight Mongol and... Um, Basically, free the, the prisoners. So the face-off you've been waiting for, Superman and the Authority finally face Mongul and his champions head-on. The fates of War World, I don't know why it's hard for me to say, and all who live under Mongul's rule hang in a balance. But he who holds all chains is better prepared than Superman knows. Not everyone walks away from this one. So yeah, let me just say, uh, people die, or people apparently die seemingly die people are getting drastically injured so they're probably not all going to die but you never know sometimes you know i wouldn't be surprised dc you know or marvel you know they're both sometimes they're like like yeah you want to use this character you can kill him you know here's a list of characters you can kill you know we've, we've heard writers say that and you know a lot of times they're like it's kind of shocking who they put on that list obviously when it comes to you know, comic book deaths, that, that means like nothing these days. So you can kill whoever the heck you want. You know they're going to come back. And, uh, you know, there's been rumblings about Superman dying. You know, Jonathan's been worried about that, you know, because since he's been to the future, he says, like, you know, this is a time when, you know, the there's not much written about Superman after this. So, you know, he knows that this is supposedly when he dies. I don't like that. I, I think that's, that's a, a kind of ridiculous. Also, he's been slightly depowered, and you know, so he's got some gray in his hair. I don't like that either. <laughs> and have I mentioned I don't like the fact that he revealed his, that he's Clark Kent? So I'm I'm not super thrilled with the the state of um, where Superman is these days. You know, Jonathan Kent is is developing to be you know a really cool character, but it feels like they're trying to sideline Superman so they can elevate jonathan and i just 
do not think that is necessary. You know, it's one thing, okay, you're going you're gonna to pull Kal-El off of Earth, have him go try to liberate, you know, War World, which is, like, weird because he would never take such a, not political stance or whatever, you know. There's, there are issues on Earth, and he's, you know, going out to save others. You know, yeah, they need to be saved as well. I don't know. But I just, I'm not, I'm not happy with this isn't this isn't the Superman that I want that I that I love, and no, not everything needs to be for me. But I'm just not. I don't need to see an aging Superman with no secret identity or one that is potentially getting killed again. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. I mean, yeah, I mean this is just a second issue. <laughs> Everyone dies. End of the story. What's what's going to happen next? I don't know. So you can check that out. Uh, let's see. We have Joker Presents Puzzle Box Issue 11. I need to I need to read this. I keep saying that. Uh, there's why, is there, why are there so many comics? I, I can't read everything. And I know some of the things are like, well, why are you reading this when you should be reading that instead? I don't know. Teen Titans Academy Issue 8. This, I had some some issues with this issue. And yes, I meant to say it like that. Teen Titans Academy. I don't really know how I feel about this whole concept. I think it's it's kind of it's kind of weird. It feels like there's so many super powered people now, so many metas or whatever. So the idea is that Teen Titans wanted to make the school get you know kids on the right track and everything. A little reminiscent, obviously, of X Men, but not really. The the what I think is is kind of weird is where you know some of these kids. It's like what are your your um. What am I trying to say? Like, they're not. Are they really interviewing or what? Some of these kids, they're, they're they don't have the best of intentions. It seems like. So it's almost like, are you training like future villains? Uh, one of the things, like you know, some of the kids are like, uh, Mig- what's his name, Miguel, who has the the dial H for hero dial. They they go through his room, and first of all, he's just has the dial just sitting in a drawer or whatever, like his sock drawer. So his his classmates his friends whatever they go and they steal it and because they want to use it because they think they can use it to talk to the dead and then when he, he realizes that it's gone he's trying to get it because you know there, there's a bunch of people in a room and you know he's trying to get in there and they, they, there's like zero respect it's like here you're using this thing that you have no idea and he's trying to stop him he's like you don't know what you're doing you don't know what you're about to unleash yet there's they think and and yet maybe that's something you know kids don't always think about the big picture obviously and but it's just annoying with with that. And then the other part. So apparently they're they're bringing in potential new students. You know they're doing like like an interview or not interview, but like a open house thing with with the potential metas and their parents and everything like that. And then someone talks about like, well, didn't one of yours kill one of yours or something like that? And talking about about Wally West killing Roy Harper because there's a statue of Roy Harper out front. So it's like you, you always wonder is like how much does the general populace know about the ins and outs of what happens you know behind the scenes and then what happens is wally as because now he's in the flash costume since barry is wherever in the multiverse dealing with stuff he, barry or wally comes with his kids jay and iris and someone's like oh look it's a killer oh my god and he's got hostages I think I hate that. I I hated that that panel so much, and I don't normally hate stuff. 
no one would know. There's no reason they should know that Wally in the Flash costume is the same Wally that killed accidentally killed Roy Harper. And we saw like how that happened, like what really how it went down. It was different than what we first saw in Heroes in Christ. Christ, what was it called? I don't. I'm trying to block it out. So you know, Wally was has been kind of redeemed with that with his involvement. But again, there's no reason like why would people know that Wally was even there, that he was involved in any way. That's not something that's there, there's no. It's not like it happened in the middle of New York City where there's you know people everywhere, cameras or whatever. So I I just think it's ridiculous that they would even know that something happened and that he was involved. But there's no reason they should know that Wally West was that Flash and is this Flash. You know, I could see maybe if you could see his hair, but you, I, it just really bothered me. And I just, yeah, it just, I don't know why it bothered me so much. Batman to Detective Issue 6. So this, um, is this, I believe this is the last issue. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> now I remember. So uh, this has been a, this has been a really good, good story. It's been interesting. So, you know, it's Tom Taylor and Andy Kubert. And, you know, this is a older Batman, you know, there, there's, you know, stuff going on. And, you know, we see it as a grizzled, you know, not quite like Dark Knight Returns, thank goodness, you know, a little more grounded and, and a little more, you know, or less angry. But, you know, this uh, foe that he's gone up against has had very ambitious means and is, you know, just killing a lot of people. You know, basically, people that Batman has saved, you know, they, they feel that they should have died, that, they you know, they were meant to die and, and Batman is ruining just whatever equilibrium of, of everything because the, the character's name is equilibrium so we, we see a lot of that and it's just it's it's really cool to see and you know batman does a couple things a little differently like he, that he probably wouldn't necessarily do kind of you know and asking for help and and just so there's a a lot going on and and you know henry ducard was in here and uh is everyone going to survive? Well, I guess you'll have to read to find out. So it, it's been a, a, a good series. Wonder Girl issue five. As I read this, and I, I think part of it is because of like how there was like huge gaps between issues. So again, you know, the first issue came out May 18th. Second was June 29th, then August 31st. And then we had October 26th and then now November 30th. There's been this like weird release schedule and you know what things happen i get that that's fine you know i i always say delay a book then rush it out and having to you know get in a different artist or color or whatever you know i don't know what the reasons were and you know we there are delays across the board for different reasons because of shipments and and you know covid holdups and and everything like that but the, the problem with this is i don't know if it's because of that that sporadic release schedule that I'm like kind of losing track of what's going on. And part of it is, you know, we have like Cassie Sandsmark, who I, I, I think is a, a cool character. You know, I, I'd love to see her more. I, I love seeing her in, in the recent Young Justice. It just kind of like fizzled out of nowhere. It just seems weird. I, that's such a good series and it's just ended. But, you know, she's like been tasked to try to find uh, Yara Floor and um, Artemis has, is there. And then we have the other like chapter of the Greek gods, the other pantheon or whatever that are trying to recruit her. And which is separate from what the Amazons and Themyscira want. And then there's, you know, there's cause Yara is part of this other group of Amazons. And then I think there's like an, even another like chapter, whatever. 
so it's like all this stuff going on and um you know they're they're so she's trying to get uh or they're, they're trying to recruit her into becoming like immortal type of thing and then she's kind of like uh i don't know about this and so it's just yeah i i kind of I was like, Wait, what, what's really going on here? So I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Okay, then Human Target issue two. This was a this was an okay issue. You know, I I I'm a huge fan of Greg Smallwood's art. I think it's just amazing, and and that you know I would say is worth the price of admission. So uh, Human Target, he's a he's an okay character for me. You know, I'm I'm not like is in in a Human Target fan club or anything like that. So I, you know, he's he's basically like like a bodyguard who sort of takes the place or the guise of of who he's trying to protect, which is kind of weird. And you know, in some cases, it's to, to draw off or draw away, you know, the the killer or whatever, and then he can like catch them, bust them, and save the person. So he was uh, he took a job protecting lex luther and then someone tried killing lex and then he ends up getting like the poison or whatever so he christopher chance finds out he only has 12 days to live you know there's just poison nothing can be done about it and then you see in this issue you see in the cover ice shows up and it's always interesting with the just a the cluster mess of the current continuity you know she's talking about like days in a justice league international and everything like that but it's like Okay, did that happen? When did that happen? How did that happen? Because you know we had New Fifty Two, and then things merged and erased and reborn, and I don't even know like what's going on anymore. It's just, I just I don't understand what DC is doing with that because it's just all over the place. It's like okay, this is this is the new continuity. Oh no, you know everything else is, is erased. And they're like oh no, maybe we'll just throw in some of this. Oh no, now we're going to do all this. So now everything's t- so I'm I'm a little unclear, and I know. I shouldn't get so hung up on it. It's just like, just read the dang story, just enjoy it and, and, you know, have a good time. But it's just these little things like, wait, so did it happen? It didn't, uh, you know, anyways. So she's here and um, it's like, wh- why is she here? You know, so she's she's talking to Christopher Chance and, you know, she has some some concerns with, you know, stuff that happened and, yeah, so it's it's a little unclear. Like, I mean, I mean that that's the point of it. It's it's not like it's not the writing is unclear. It's just why is she there? You know what what's her motives and you know what is she what does she really want with Christopher Chance? So that's kind of interesting to see that. Then there is Justice League Incarnate issue one. Okay, so um, the summary here is after the shocking ending of Infinite Frontier, Justice League Incarnate defends the multiverse from Darkseid across infinite Earths. Following a de- devastating defeat at the hands of the one true Darkseid, the Superman of Earth 23, the Superman of Earth 23, uh, leads a team of superheroes from a myriad world that includes Flashpoint Batman, China's Flash from Earth Zero. Captain Carrick from Earth-26, and a brand new superhero, Dr. Multiverse, from Earth-8, in a last-ditch effort to stop the end of every possible universe as we know it. So, um, this is by Joshua Williamson and Dennis Culver. The art is by Andrea Bersan. Oh, wait. And a rotating cast of artists. And Brandon Pearson's doing some of the art, too, in this issue. So, my problem with this is 
I don't know how I feel about the multiverse stuff. You know, it, yeah, it's cool to see and everything, but I kind of feel like we've seen so much of it that it just, it almost feels like it's being overused because, you know, when we would see little glimpses here or there, it was kind of a treat. So whatever, you know, that, that that's fine. And the other thing is like some of these characters, I, I just, I don't care about so much. So it's hard for me to get invested with them. Um, you know, like, Captain Carrot, I feel like, you know, he's supposed to be a novelty, you know, at first it's like, oh, you know, yeah, nostalgia, oh, that's cool that they're using him, but now I'm just kind of like, okay, you know, that that's fine, and then, you know, Dr. Multiverse, which is kind of a cheesy name, but, you know, she could be an interesting character, uh, I, I guess maybe I'm a little curious to find out more about her, but just the others, I mean, I don't know, um, the, the, China's Flash, who was in New Superman series, it's it's an interesting choice to bring her in. So you know that that could be cool, but I'm not like, not really dying to like see about all these. And you know, Superman of Earth twenty three, you know, he's had some cool moments. And you know, Flashpoint Batman, uh, I don't know. It's it's it is. I mean, I mean, that's what it's, it's meant to be. It's almost like a hodgepodge of different characters all all together. And I, I mean, me personally, I'm not super excited. I do see the potential in all this, but it almost feels like, you know, as we're seeing, you know, all these other, you know, bad guys trying to take out things, it's, um, wait, now I'm kind of getting, I'm getting mixed up with something happening in Marvel, which I'll get to in a bit. But the, you know, the, the threat of everything, it's just like, it's almost like the big, huge, you know, because we've had so many crises and so many big events. And so here's this other big, huge, you know, destructive end of everything threat. And, you know, how many times have we seen that? And, but obviously I'm going to keep reading it. So <laughs> we'll see. So judge for yourself. Don't listen to my rambling on that one. Okay. I feel like I need to speed up a little bit. I don't know if, I, if I've been rambling a little too much. Batman 2021 annual. So this is a it's a focus on on a ghost maker so we find out more about him uh it, and it kind of also continues it closes off the the backup stories that have been happening in recent issues so we find out uh more about him i don't know how i feel about ghost maker uh you know he he could be a cool character part of me i feel like i don't really want or i don't really need another character you know it, it's good to have another you know for batman to have another ally he does have a lot of allies but i feel like with Ghostmaker and with the way you know james heinen has set up his story you know his backstory and everything like that that you know it is uh interesting to see you know someone that batman can relate a little like more of a peer versus like some of his other you know this is different than you know his relationship with Ghostmaker is different than how he is with with uh, Superman or Hal Jordan or you know Barry Allen or you know anyone like that. So it's almost like they're more in like a secret club compared to how he is with the others, even though he's been in the Justice League and fought side by side with them. So you know there are, there's definitely some interesting aspects with that. Uh, one thing that was kind of weird, and, and now see now I'm, I'm getting mixed up. This might have been in. in Batman Fierce, I think this might have been Batman Fierce State Omega, where there's a, a bit with uh, Clown Killer, which is now Clown Hunter. They kind of leave it where, like, like oh, you know, Ghostmakers is offering to train you or something like that. But it's like, I thought Ghost or Clown Hunter was working with, because like, didn't, like, Jason Todd talk to him, and then, then he agreed to listen to 
Tim Drake, Robin, Red Robin. So that was like, wait, wait, what, what's happening? Um, but then Fear State Omega is, I, I was like, I thought Fear State was over and it, it's still going on. So here it's it's uh, dealing with, okay, we need to transport uh, Scarecrow, Jonathan Crane. And I just, I'm so tired of Jonathan Crane. And just him and his schemes and contingencies. And, you know, as he's being transported, he, surprise, he's got, you know, he's had uh, something planned for this to mess up, mess with people. So then, you know, Batman comes and, and basically he's like, he's going to deliver him himself. Then they have this conversation and it's just, it's kind of a weird, the way Jonathan is talking to Batman, the way Batman is letting him talk to him. I mean, you would think Batman would just like, just like punch him in the face and like shut up and, you know, or gag him or, but then, you know, he's just like letting him talk and, and kind of like talk down to him and like about how, you know, he's making mistakes or this or that or whatever. And it was just, it was just kind of weird <laughs> in, in a way. Then uh, we have uh, Detective Comics Annual 2021. This was um, interesting because we see some stuff with, with uh, what's his name, with Bruce when, when he's young. But then there's this dude, and so you know we see like the backstory of this character kind of tied to when uh, Thomas you know, Wayne saves this, this one guy. So there's like this connection with that. And um, it's interesting to see how like, Nightwing handles things and you know how he's trying to deal with things and so it it was it was a fine story. I mean it, it was it was just okay for me. Nightwing 2021 annual number 1. This was this was a, a I actually liked this more than I thought it was. I was like okay, here we go another annual. We you know we're getting these annuals and you know a lot of times annuals they're 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 not like crucial stories sometimes it feels like but this one was was nice to see uh like a flashback story between dick grayson and jason todd so you know dick is nightwing he comes uh you know alfred kind of calls him over and and he basically goes out like uh with uh, jason todd and you know because bruce is gone jason was uh kidnapped or kidnapped uh, Bruce is out of town. Did I say Jason has been grounded because you know of something he did, and because uh, uh, it also ties back to the present because there's footage of Red Hood killing some dude, just like you know, shady dude. But it's like, wait, as, as I read this, it's like I thought he wasn't using guns anymore, and that's that's the case so this is why nightwing gets involved and trying you're trying to figure out what exactly is going on and then we we get the part you know the, the flashback story as well and everything so this was a, a good story which obviously because you know tom taylor wrote it so you know of course we can expect some some good things there so that that that, that one's worth checking out um there and there is robin 2021 annual issue one this um when I first started reading this, I was like, are you serious? Because this takes place before issue six. And, you know, the last issue we had was issue eight. With that, it means anything that happens is, isn't going to move the story, you know, isn't going to change things moving forward because it's stuff that already happened. That being said, we do find out more about Flatline. And I think she's kind of an interesting character. You know, I, I am I was happy and intrigued to, to learn more about her. So if you if you're curious about that, you can you know find out. And you know there there's some other little we kind of see 
other things, you know, like leading up to like Damien going to the tournament and other people, you know, why are other people, certain people in, involved? Like why is Rose going to the tournament and everything like that? So, we, you know, we get some other like background side information, which which was cool. And, and you know, that stuff. So, I, you know, I take back my my frustration about the placement of this where it, it is worth checking out. You know, if you've been really enjoying the Robin series and, you know, this this really goes with it. It almost feels like, you know, I don't know, should this have been, I guess, I guess there's reasons that this is coming out now and not, you know, two issues ago because, you know, what, what we know so far and then it, yeah, it would have given some things away. So that's fine. Um, oh, there was a Justice League Dark Annual 2021 and guess who did not read it? I, I just don't know what my problem with, with Justice League Dark. Then there is, uh, joker annual this is a flashback story so this is uh matthew rosenberg and, and james tynan and uh francesco francavia are, are working this so this is james uh gordon like during his first year in as a co- police commissioner and he's still dealing with the fact that you know there's some shady cops and you know he's trying to fight that uh not not a whole lot he can do if there's no evidence you know he has some suspicions in that and you know he's still worried about the threat of the Joker, and you know just trying to you know clean things up. And uh, he, there's some bold moves made here and there, but one of the things is it appears, which I don't know how he felt about this, and because um, you know there's a whole thing of like how much does Joker know and when does he know it. But at this point, you know where we're at now, uh, Barbara Gordon is Batgirl. You know she's already started doing that, and you know the question is. When did Joker find out, like, what he knows? Like, what does he know about Batgirl as well? And, you know, because we get some very strong hints, which is pretty, as I guess you can't really, it's not really a hint. It's almost like a declaration. But so it's just like, when did that kind of happen? Which, you know, I'm a little unclear. But it it was, I mean, Francesco Francavilla's art is always, you know, fun to see. So there's a a lot of cool stuff in here. And then there's, I didn't read this, I, I didn't realize that this was actual Bat or Wonder Woman annual. So since her return from the sphere of the gods, Diana has tried her best to reconnect with her past and those she left behind. But now the past is coming for her. It all begins when a mysterious man appears, claiming to know the dark history of the Amazons. Could his claims possibly be true? And what does this mean for a hero's relationship with those who still rule Themyscira? Judgment is coming for all the Amazons, and you won't want to miss this prologue story leading directly into the next chapter of the Wonder Woman epic. I don't know. I want to start reading Wonder Woman again, but... um, And it's just weird that it's like, okay, so she's supposed to be back, but it doesn't feel like it from all the other books that I've been reading. So, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not reading the right books. So, tell me me if you're reading... Wonder Woman, if I should be reading it. I, I feel like I should be. At Marvel, we have Amazing Spider-Man issue 80. We have more with Spider-Man versus Craven, And, you know, this one I, was a little better. You know, I, I've had some complaints about the treatment of Ben Riley, And uh, while I'm not super crazy with some of the, the, the things that happened, you know, Ben, ben getting so easily trapped by craven with his stupid drugs and everything and it's just craven is is a you know a formidable villain and everything like that but 
first shot, it's just, it feels like he just, he's constantly doing the same thing. It's like over and over again. And I thought he was just like so beyond this. It's like the fact that he defeated Spider-Man practically near nearly killed him you know buried him he was buried alive for two weeks and you know he took his place in in a sense what more is there to do you know he there's no reason for him to want to go after spider-man again and and like here we are again doing this so it's just it, it feels like it's kind of like not necessarily spitting in the face of of that craven's last hunt but again it was his last hunt and you know, yeah, he's been resurrected. He's returned, but I don't know. So that, that's that's my thing. And I, I still, you know, it's just trying to get used to this whole Spider-Man belonging to you know to corporate some corporate group. And you know, the one lady scientist, I forget her name, who is just like very cold. And you know, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I'm 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 not super crazy, even though it's been front and center. It just doesn't feel right, and you know, and then we got Peter in a in a coma, girlfriend in a coma, right? And he's just like stuck there, and it, it just it's like let's sideline Peter so we can have Ben, which again should be awesome, but I just feel like his portrayal is just just feels off. It's like it doesn't feel like how did he become such a such a, a rookie? And uh, I don't now. I don't don't remember. Okay, it was actually another issue which I'll talk about. Just like something else that was like overlooked with Ben, which bothered me. But uh, next, well, I guess I'll just go to it. So, death of Doctor Strange, Spider Man. So this was when I debated. I was like, oh, do I need to read this? Because I didn't read Death of Doctor Strange, White Fox, because I don't follow. I I've only read a couple issues of White Fox, and I don't really know you know a whole lot with her and um, oh, what you would call it. Uh, like, because like swords, swords master, and whatever. Anyways, with the the Spider Man one, so Doctor Strange is part of like not necessarily his will or whatever, but he had a sort of thing like if anything happens to him, he had like a message to be delivered to Spider Man that you know I need you to take care of some things for me if something happens to me. So the and it's weird because Ben is is at the hospital or no maybe felicia was there and ben pops in and and they're kind of bickering you know felicia's being cold and mean to him it's it's not like it's ben's fault that this happened to peter and you know she's like she's mad that you know she's she's claiming that he's happy you know he's getting what he wants because he he can be spider-man while you know peter is in, in a coma it's like no and whatever you know so as they're sitting in the hospital room, this message from Doctor Strange, you know, astral message appears. It's like, who? What if someone else was there? What if a doctor or nurse or you know or Aunt May, you know, anyone there? You know, they're both hearing this message. So then he's like, "Well, I got to go answer this call." And she's like, "But you're not Spider Man." And he's like, "Yeah, but someone's got to you know do this." And and so they they go on taking care of the various tasks and everything like that. And um, and it was it was good. But one thing that that came up was was it here where it was mentioned about dying or something like that and the fact is ben because someone someone says like like oh you know you're you're it you don't know what it's like dying or something like that it's like ben was tortured by the jackal and was killed wasn't it like 27 times where he was killed and brought back and then killed and then brought back or whatever i don't even know, know what happened there so that was like 
was that just overlooked or did he just is he just gonna bite his tongue and not say which i guess he's not gonna be like oh yes i do know because i'm a clone and i was killed and experiment you know but it just seemed like there was no money he didn't even think anything about that you know there's it's like there should have been some acknowledgement but then at the end um you know felicia has something some some kind of nice words to say to ben as nice as as she can be so that was good captain marvel 34 so Carol is still fighting, you know, uh, all these uh, different Captain Marvel people are being kidnapped and trapped and used. And, you know, she's trying to overcome that. And um, one thing is she levels up at one point and, you know, she just tr tries to because, you know, she gets captured for a bit. And it's like, you know, how can she get out of there? And then um, I don't think they show or mention, but then like someone else pops up is like, is that really who that's supposed to be and what's going on and stuff like that. So it's uh, a lot of fighting and a lot of some cool, a lot of cool stuff happening here. Daredevil 36. Daredevil, which is, it's kind of weird. So they, we had the, the big story and Daredevil, you know, the police come, they're like, you need to go back to jail. And the, and the other heroes are like, no, he's a hero. He's safe. But then he goes back. And then, then it's like, okay, five weeks later, then he gets let out again. So it's just like, okay. And so, you know, he's trying to make sense of things. And uh, he, then he hangs out with Elektra because, you know, she was, was taking his place as Daredevil in Hell's Kitchen and, you know, protecting people using his code and stuff like that. So, you know, they have some, some talk, discussion about that. And then there's also uh, stuff on Kingpin and his upcoming marriage with uh, Typhoid Mary, which is weird. And then uh, there's, you know, at one point, Electra also asked Matt, asked Daredevil, she's like, how did you get everyone to forget your identity? So, you know, he talks about that with Kilgrave's kids and, and everything like that. And then there's like something that happens towards the end with Kingpin that it may lead to this upcoming kingpin dark destiny or whatever it's called so big stuff happening here dark hawk issue four so this new dark hawk is still trying to figure out how things work and everything and you know in his human guys he has ms so he's dealing with that he's also dealing with the fact that his friend was involved in some shady stuff and was killed and then he meets up with miles morales you know he comes across him and and uh so you, you get like a a good bonding mo not really bonding but just like some you know words of inspiration type of thing but what's weird is miles morales has his old costume here which is is what he should have so maybe this takes place before he got his weird jacket pink outfit i don't know dark hold uh black bolt so i started like kind of skimming through this and uh, you know all of these these stories it's basically taking a character and putting a really big, dark, and twisted, and dreary spin on it. So there's some stuff going on between, like, Black Bolt and his brother. And then, like, by the time you get to the end, it's just like, oh, man. So it's like they're, they're, it's, it's almost like, like an episode of Black Mirror where, you know, you, you just see this, like, really dark outcome. And then it's like, where is it going to go from here? So you get that. Um, Fantastic Four, issue 38. Um, I, I kind of see like where this was meant to go, but it, it just, there's little things that bothered me here and there. Uh, basically wizard is back and he wants Bentley 23. He wants his clone and, you know, Bentley 
has been with the Future Foundation for the longest time, and you know he's trying to be a good guy, and you know he's clearly got a crush on Valeria, and so Wizard is basically taking the Fantastic or taking Dragon Man, who had custody of Bentley, taking him to court. So you can see She-Hulk on the cover. The case is being seen by this meta-powered judge, and she's just like bah, bah, bah. you know just like she has no zero tolerance for any outbursts and she doesn't care who the fantastic for you know just got no there's no respect special treatment or anything like that but there's just a lot of some things just a little over the top and you know some things get a little silly and yeah so um i, I yeah i maybe when i saw the cover i was like oh this looks cool you know jennifer walters you know lawyer she hulks back and and it just it didn't quite work out as i thought it was going to so but again some interesting things then there's marauders issue 26 and what was weird about this is uh in one aspect sebastian shaw and emma frost they go to what's his name leland i totally remember his name and uh basically you know about becoming part of Kirk Leland Leland uh not it's not anyways the the big dude there's that and then there's a thing thing boom shows up and Iceman um fights him and some some kind of crazy things happen New Mutants issue 23 I feel like this story has been kind of going on for a while now so there's a lot about uh the kids and a new, and the new mutants going up against uh, Shadow King, which I hate Shadow King. So there's and then there's things get a little weird towards the end, but a lot of things have been weird there. Phoenix Song Echo Issue Two. I'm I'm not liking this as much as as I want to be like. I, I really want to enjoy this series, but so you know, we we have Phoenix, or I mean we have Echo with the power to Phoenix, which I think is kind of weird. And, you know, I feel like a lot of characters are just kind of just being angry. You know, there's there's a lot of hostility and, and stuff like, you know, just like the way Forge was, you know, treating her in the last issue. In this issue, you know, she's, you know, picking up from the last issue, she's come across this, this dude who knows a lot about, you know, her, her hist- family history and stuff like that. But then at one point, she ends up, in the past, you know, she with this other guy, they, they kind of, because of the adversaries involved, which I don't like the adversary, but, you know, he's a, and I don't like him because no one should like him. You know, he's a evil entity. And I, I thought he was, he was dead. I thought they like wrapped that stuff up, you know, forged and took him out or whatever. But um, at one point, Echo and this, this other dude, they end up at 1999 and then she sees her dad. So she starts following him. And he ends up in this club, and this was like when uh, her dad first meets her mom. So she wants to go over and talk to him, and this guy's like, "Hey, you know, you kind of can't do that because the timeline, and you're you mess things up." But it's just like, and she's like, "Well, you know, you, you or she's like, you don't know what it's like to lose so you know your parents." And he's, and he's like, uh, "Actually, I do. You know, we we saw his his story in the beginning of of this issue." But it's like, okay, your parents just met. And you're you want to go talk to them, and you don't want to mess things up with, between your parents, you know. Not not that she's gonna like try to separate them or anything, you know. But 
it's like you need to let the you know history or whatever play out because the slightest thing could cause her not to be born and and uh and then the adversary shows up and and uh something crazy happens so, so but it's just it's like come on come on echo it's like you can't just you know you, you can't just mess with time it's like everyone knows that so yeah they, they're gonna have their hands full uh star wars bounty hunter issue 18 so balance my uh favorite character sarcasm in star wars you know he's been take been brought in by the empire by darth vader and darth vader wants him to do some stuff for me you know he and he's like i'm not working for the empire but you know we see a little bit of balance's past and uh Darth Vader manages to make some strong negotiating uh, terms. And so Valence doesn't quite look the way he used to since he's had some upgrades and everything. But, you know, there's also been some different things like done to him. So we'll see where it goes. I'm still not super crazy about him, but that's what it is. Then there's uh, Star Wars Darth Vader issue 18. So here we have basically darth vader is uh dealing with the crimson dawn and you know trying to infiltrate or just get to the bottom of things because now that they've proven to be a threat so there's some and it's also kind of like the little there's a one moment there's like a little bit of overlap between this and and uh bounty hunters so some good stuff there venom issue two uh i'm I don't know how I feel about this series so far. I know it's only the second issue, so I'm just, you know, waiting to see how it goes. But the last issue was a little weird with stuff going on with Eddie Brock. And, and you know, I'm not crazy about him being, you know, like the new king in block or whatever, you know, t- taking over Null's place. And But then something happened to Eddie Brock. And the last issue, and Dylan, I feel like Dylan is just like, he must just hit puberty because it's almost like, you know, sometimes he looks like an adult and he's, he was just like a little kid, but you know, there's things aren't going too well for him. And, you know, he has, he's kind of on the run and then he has to deal with some other people. And, you know, there's the whole thing is like, don't bond with the, the symbiote. And I don't know if he did or not. It's like, did he bond last issue? Did I just like not pick up on, on that? So there's just some some bad things going on. Uh, Winter Guard issue four, which I still I still have it sitting in my iPad. I have issue two and three, so I need to get caught up with that. And then X Men: The Trial of Magneto. So this is dealing with uh, Scarlet Witch. It's weird as a trial of Magneto when it's I don't know why it's called a trial of Magneto when this is more about Scarlet Witch. And was Magneto even in this? issue so you know scarlet which was killed and it kind of looked like did magneto do it which like why would he do it because you know he was one of the last ones last people seen with her but then we saw like wait how is scarlet witch back because you know they, they voted not to resurrect her just because of things that she's done which i think is is unjust you you'll bring back you'll bring back uh omega red or you know all these other scuzz you know saber tooth and whatever it's basically 
coming to terms, you know, Scarlet Witch coming to terms with like different aspects because she comes back, but she doesn't have all the memories because you know they're, they're what we see with like when the the last backup was like several years back. So that I'm just like, okay, so we're gonna have this sort of younger-minded Scarlet Witch who doesn't know what happened in the past few years. It's like that's gonna make things a little awkward, or whatever. But some of that, I mean, oh, that is addressed here. So you know, there, there's a, a a lot of you know, moving forward with that. There's a, a touching on like, well, then who, how did she die? Who did kill her? And then there's um, there's something else that that popped up as well, like at, towards the very end. So th- this was interesting, you know. At, at first, um, you know, with the like the I don't remember if it was the second or third issue. I was just like, where where exactly is this going to go? So this this is kind of interesting, but I feel like this is more a Scarlet Witch story than Trial of Magneto. But um, but yeah, so we get some kind of hints as to well, who killed her? So they'll have to investigate that. But that is going to bring this investigation into comics to a close because that is a comics for the week. Okay, with Dexter New Blood season one episode four H is for Hero. So it starts off, Deb asks Dexter, like, okay, what's going on? Because Kurt, um, Clancy Brown, the you know, father of Matt, who Dexter killed, you know, he said that he just talked to his son and he FaceTimed him. And Dexter's like, what do you talk, how, why? So Deb, in Dexter's mind, asks him, well, what does he think is going on? You know, and it's like, you know, Kurt couldn't handle Matt being missing, so he became delusional. Deb says that, you know, she doesn't think so that he's lying because he doesn't trust the cops that he wants to take matters into his own hands and he thinks johnny bullhorn murdered matt for shooting a deer and thinks that angela's angela is protecting him then she'll you know she'll close a case and then he can go after johnny or he'll keep digging until he gets to his son's real killer which is not good for dexter dexter talks to Angela and you know she asks if, if he heard the news about Matt and he's like yeah I heard it from Kurt and she's like you heard it from Kurt and he's like yeah I saw him coming out of tavern and he was celebrating so you know he brought him home whatever we also see Harrison talking about wrestling you know he has to gain five pounds before he goes to match um, Dexter's glad he's making friends Harrison says most of the guys on the, the team are F nuggets and Dexter he kind of he's like oh your aunt Deb used to say that and he asks Harrison, he's like, do you remember anything of her? He's like, he's like, no, only to swears. And Harrison asks if he misses her, asks Dexter if he misses her. And he's like, oh, she's in my thoughts all the time, which, you know, is what we're seeing. Ethan, his friend Ethan, gives him a ride, ride to school. So Ethan was a kid being picked on and bullied by the others. So Kurt goes to the police station. Angela talks to him. He says Matt called him around 10. They FaceTimed. And she's like, well, where was he? And he's like, it looked like a hotel room. He said he was in New York City. So she asks if he looked injured at all because they found his blood in the woods. And he's like, I didn't really see any signs of anything. And she's like, did he say what happened? And Kurt's like, I didn't think to ask. He's like, you know, he was just happy to see his son. And, you know, he's like, you know, what Matt put her in a town through is not okay. And she's like, no, it's not. So he's like, uh, or she says that, you know, he owes her a call. She keeps, you know, trying to call him and it goes straight to voicemail. And, you know, he says that if this is about, killing a white deer in tribal land he'll pay to find and you know because like she knows that he's always good at you know paying to fix matt's messes and she's like well that's not my jurisdiction and she just needs to um you know she just needs help closing the missing persons case and then find out you know like you know who assaulted who and, and so forth 
Kurtz says that, you know, he's like, well, you know, I didn't want to say anything, but it looked like he was high on something. You know, sometimes he goes on benders and I don't hear from him for days, you know. And then as he talks, you know, Angela sees Molly, that, that podcaster lady, she's like in the police station outside. So Logan, uh, you know, so Kurt leaves. Logan tried telling uh, Molly that it was inappropriate for her to visit him. And Angela's confused. Logan's like, yeah, we met once, like at the when they're doing a search. And she's like, yeah, we went out for a drink and slept together. He was amazing. So it's like real, real classy there. So she was wondering if uh, her meeting with Kurt had anything to do with the case. And Angela's like, I know you're a reporter. And Molly's like, I'm not a reporter. I'm a podcaster. Print is dead. <laughs> Which is why I don't write articles as much as I used to. I don't know. That's because I'm just tired. Angela says that, you know, she has a real aversion to liars. And, you know, Molly says that, you know, she wasn't lying when she said that she was there to help with the search because, you know, that's what she wants to do. Angela says that are you, you're doing a story about it. Molly asks if Angela's talked to Matt. And, you know, she's been trying to. Does she think he was attacked in the woods? Does she think his dad is covering for, for some reason? Angela's like, you know, if you don't leave, I'm going to arrest you for interfering with an investigation. So she's like, okay. And she tells Logan to call her when he's off. And Angela tells him to, to run Matt's credit cards. He's like, oh, I did that a few days ago, you know. He's like, do you think what Molly said? And she's like, I don't give a poop what Molly says. She's like, I care about what Kurt says. Matt is staying in New York City, so run his cards. Then we see Dexter at a gas station. He sees Kurt sitting alone. He's like, oh, poor bastards. And then uh, he says that he gets um, that he's upset. But, you know, why is he lying about his son being alive? So that's like the weird thing. Then uh, Harrison's... Uh, looking you know he's he's sitting like i think he's sitting in the gym or somewhere he's alone looking at the, the listings uh, in molly's podcast episodes like the different titles the third one is miami the trinity killer and that's basically john lithgow's character from season four so he listens to the episode so the, the episode's called mary effing kill like oh so edgy you got a swear word in your title and and I know I joke. It it's probably sounds ridiculous when I say poop instead of s. But I I want to keep this, you know, non explicit so anyone can listen to it if they want. Because I don't. It doesn't really make a difference if I don't use profanity. And I I know it's like does it? Why should it make a difference if I do use profanity? Because if I do use profanity, I need. I don't know why I'm talking about this. Whatever. So um, Molly swears a lot because, again, it's like, oh, is it cool to swear so much? You know, I, I do believe it or not, I do swear. I, yeah, believe me, I do swear. But you don't – it's not necessary. You don't have to do it all. You know, there are certain times and everything. There's other words you can use. So basically, the Trinity killer, he's the one that killed Harrison's mom and left him in the blood, kind of like what happened to Dexter. So then Dexter's at work. He There's an a emergency alert goes off on his phone the high school is on lockdown so he calls angela and she's headed there she says you know all she knows is there are multiple injuries and harrison's involved dexter he drives to school uh he sees some kids coming out stretchers and he sees the other cop teddy and he he takes him to, to harrison he's like i'm all right he has a stab wound on his side and dexter's like who stabbed you and he's like oh it's not bad Angela says that when they found um, Harrison and Ethan, he said something about a planned school shooting. That's how it all started. Harrison said Ethan asked him to meet him backstage, and he wanted to get revenge against the kids who picked on him because, you know, he had his pictures, whatever. 
the plan was to bring guns to school and open fire. And she asked, you know, why did Ethan tell you? And he's like, he wanted me to do it with him. And Harrison said that he, you know, he gets it being bullied and tortured. You know, he, he tried getting um, him to talk to a teacher. And that's when he pulled out the knife out of his backpack. And he came right at him and stabbed him. Dexter's listening to all this. And he's like, listening to you know, his words carefully. Angela tells Logan to check his backpack. Then, then she's like, what happened next? So he's like, you know, he said he was scared. He tackled him and to, to get the knife out of his hand. He, but he kept charging. And he thinks that that's when he got his leg because uh, Ethan's leg was like really, really cut badly. So he was bleeding a lot. Then he passed out. And Harrison says, you know, he didn't mean to hurt him like that. He's like, is he going to die? And he tells Dexter, he's like, I didn't mean it. And Logan finds Ethan's sketchbook in, in his backpack with die, Zach and Scott, you know, the picture of himself as a punisher. Then he finds another page with like student pictures kind of like cut out on on uh in like in a cafeteria at different tables and there's like blood and stuff like that some of them have x on theirs and it's like a, a it's basically a kill list it's like f you guys angela asked if ethan talked to anyone else about this you know anyone who could be in on it with him harrison's like no he's like i'm his only friend so angela tells logan that they are going over to his house immediately they need to check on his parents and you know that there could be weapons or explosives there at home, Dexter checks on Harrison. You know, he's in his room. You know, did he take his antibiotic? How's he feeling? Harrison says that, you know, he's pretty freaked out. You know, he keeps replaying it. He's like, he keeps coming at me with, with that knife. And he's like, you know, do you ever have a, a situation that scares the poop out of you? So he thinks back to when he was a kid, you know, and he's like, yeah. So Harrison's like, well, how do you deal with it? And Dexter thinks he's like, oh, I wrapped bad guys in plastic and killed them. But then he's, but what he really says, he's like, well, I'm not sure. And um, he's like, we can talk more about it if you want. And Harrison's like, no, it's okay. I'm fine. So then outside his room, Deb's, you know, sarcastically like, oh, who's the world's greatest dad? You know, she says that, you know, since the day he was born, Dexter was worried that he'd inherit his effed up genes. But she's like, he's emotional, empath empathetic and personal, popular, heroic even. She's like, he's so different. It's going to be impossible to have a relationship with his own son. So Dexter um, tends his wound the next day to Harrison's wound. And Dexter's like, you know, he's like, I can stay home from work since school shut down today. And Harrison's like, oh, I'll be fine. So then um, Dexter kind of stares at the wound. So he told Angela that he was facing him when he came at him. And then Harrison's like, I, I don't remember. And he's like, did he did he knock you down first? Or, you know, were you holding, was he holding a knife in his left hand or right? And he's like, well, I don't remember which effing hand, you know, he was, I was attacked with. He's like, it's not something that happens every day. And he's like, why are you interrogating me? And then Dexter's like, oh, sorry, sorry. He's like, just old forensic brain. And, you know, he's like, I know you, you've been through a lot. He's like, yeah, you know, just stabbed by my friend. And then he goes outside to get some fresh air. He's like, is that all right? Or do you have questions about that too? So Deb's like, what are you doing? And he's like, you know, he says he, the, the, or Dexter tells her, it's like the stab wound doesn't match the story that he told Angela. He's like, something's off. And she's like, you're off. And she's like, Harrison's normal. Normal people get rattled. Harrison ends up at the hospital. So I guess he walked. I'm not sure how far, you know, Dexter's house is from the town, whatever. So uh, Ethan's parents are in the room. You know, he's like in a coma or whatever. And he's like, excuse me. He's like, I came to see how Ethan was doing. And the dad's like, he's still heavily sedated. And the mom's like, he lost so much blood. He would have died if the paramedics didn't get there when they did. And Harrison says that he's sorry. He's like, 
I didn't mean to. And he's like, you know, Ethan's like my only friend there. And the dad's like, well, he liked you too. And then he's like, well, how's he doing? Um, Harrison says that, you know, when he's better and he comes home and mom's like, he isn't coming home. And she's like, what do you think is going on here? She's like, Iron Lakes isn't our home anymore. It's like, we've been getting death threats. No one's going to buy from, you know, my store again. Ethan will probably go to juvie. He's like, you know, you should have come to us. It didn't have to be like this. And then dad's, you know, he like talks to him. He's like, you know, she's obviously very upset. We both are. He's like, you know, he should know that they appreciate what he did. You know, it could have been a lot worse, but they just don't ever want to see him again. He's like, you understand? And Harrison just looks, he almost has like an evil look on his face. So, but I mean, that's a little ridiculous. Like you should have said something to us. It's like he, what he knew for like a day. Dexter goes uh, to the police station. He looks at, there's a bunch of pictures like in, in a conference room with a the stabbing, whatever. And, uh, and it cuts on Ethan's legs. And, and there's like pictures of guns that they found at the house, I guess. And just like, are you sure you want to be looking at that? And he's like, well, I'm just curious. And she's like, you know, she's like, I'm a cop. And I messed up knowing that Audrey was, was meant to be a victim. Audrey happened to be outside and she heard that. She's like, what was that? And Angela's like, I told you, you can't be in here. And she's like, well, don't change the subject. And she sees a, a picture at a lunchroom. And Audrey's like, why does Jim get to be in here? And Angela's like, well, he should go too. Dexter says that, you know, he has some information. Turns out that, um, or they, you know, they, they, they turn to the, to the board and, you know, look at, at some of the stuff. But then Audrey takes a picture of, of the hit list drawing, you know, because her back's turned. So Dexter says that the weapons that they found were from Fred's, that he sold them to Ethan's dad a couple of months ago along with a knife. So Dexter... Um, he goes to the school and somehow he manages to get in, sneak in. He goes under the police tape, you know, where it happened. Deb's like, what's your problem? And he's like, the, the angle of penetration from the wound was wrong. And he's like, the blood spatter. He's like, you know, nothing matches the story. You know, it just doesn't add up. He takes out a knife and puts it in Deb's hand. He's like, prove it. And she's like, he's a hero and you just can't stand it. So she stabs him. Obviously not really. In his mind, you know, she stabs him and the knife splatter, you know, when, you know, when she takes out the knife out, the blood goes, and he's like, the blood doesn't lie. He's like, it doesn't match. So he wonders if Harrison attacked first and she's like, what are you trying to do here? And he's like, make sense of the situation. She's like, you're just trying to turn Harrison into a monster like you. He's like, that's the only way that you can feel like a real dad. And, you know, he, he could look up to him and so they can be like a serial killer family. Then he goes up to her, slashes her from behind, and it matches. So then uh, Dexter stabs himself, and it like pulls up. So Ethan was the one trying to get away. Harrison attacked him from behind and, and stabbed himself to sell the story. And she's like, "Why would he do it? You know, he didn't hate him." And Dexter says, "You know, he wanted to know what it felt like." So then, uh, I guess it's the next day. Dexter makes Harrison breakfast. He says that, you know, he even eats like, you know, he's thinking that he, he eats the way, he, like, same way he does. And he, he asks if he noticed anything about Ethan before. You know, he's like, he didn't know anything until he got him alone at school. He's, he says it very mechanically, and then Kurt knocks on the door. So he has an appreciation for Iron Lake's hero. He wants to thank him personally. He gives Harrison a gift. It's a drone. And he says, thank you. He's like, really cool. And he's like, oh, call me Kurt, whatever. And Kurt tells Dexter, he's like, you know, it must be nice to have a hero for a son. He's like, I have the opposite. And, you know, he's like, Matt's just messed up and, you know, wishes that he did something. 
Ethan may have wanted to kill people, but Matt actually did. And Dexter's like, well, he didn't mean to kill those people on the boat. And Kurt's like, he didn't kill the people on the boat. He wasn't driving. And Dexter's quick. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. You know, I didn't mean it like that. And then Kurt's like, and how, how, how do you know? He's like, how do you know about that? And he's like, well, my girlfriend's chief of police. And not to throw anyone under the bus, but Esther's a bit of a gossip. Then he's like, well, what did Esther and your girlfriend say? He's like, that Matt wasn't driving and that teenagers do stupid things. And Kurt's like, he wasn't a teenager. And Dexter says like, oh, I didn't know that. But he did know that. So he, he purposely said that wrong. And he says that, you know, he can't carry around the guilt. Kids are born the way they are. You know, he, he wasn't around Harrison, you know, in his life for the last 10 years. And he's like, look how he turned out. So Kurt's like, you know, yeah, you're right. Uh, if Harrison does anything wrong, you know, just see how, how you feel. And Dexter thinks that Kurt was fishing and he just nibbled. So he, then, then he gets a call from Angela. So at the station, she says that they're officially not bringing any charges against Harrison. It's been ruled a defense, you know, no matter what Ethan says. So I guess he's, he's come to. He said that he never stabbed Harrison. Harrison suddenly slashed him. And that's the last thing he remembers. So she mentions that, you know, he, uh, if Dexter, want, Dexter wants, he could bring a civil suit against the family. And Dexter's like, they're going through enough. And he thinks to himself that Ethan is telling the truth. Then Molly comes in and says to Dexter that she hears his son's a hero. He must be proud. Then, uh, you know, Molly knocks on Angela's door. She said she has a peace offering. So she pulls out, like, some alcohol in a shaker, like, to make a martini. She's like, it's my goodbye present. And she pulls out a picture of faith draws or something like that so it's like it's from three days ago outside a dollar store in tulsa so it was from her missing persons board and um she put the picture up on her insta and uh she's like and she, she tells Angela, she's like you'd be surprised what eight hundred thousand amateur sleuths can dig up in a matter of hours she's like i have an address and i talked to her she left because her mom was a pill popper with a crappy boyfriend you know, she says she posted some other ones, but nothing happened. And usually she gets at least something. So she said, like, you know, no one's like, just looking for them. So then she's like, well, what's the story? And Angela, so she's like, okay. She's like, well, you know, when she was in high school, her best friend Iris disappeared. Everyone said she ran away. No one looked for her. So it stuck with her, and that's why she became a cop. So she promised herself she'd be different, that she'd be the cop who would listen, and she started collecting the stories. Everyone assumed that they just moved on, but her gut says, you know, something happened. So Molly says that, you know, they should form an alliance, and, you know, she has an, an army of, of armchair detectives. Angela says, you know, if, if you want to help me shed light on the women, I'll take it. And, you know, she, she needs her to run through everything she has. So she turns a recorder on. So she's, so Angela and Molly are going to be working together. Kurt's looking at pictures on his phone. Uh, this lady comes into his office. She's like, there's someone camped out front. And he's like, well, I'll take care of it. So he goes out. There's this girl named Chloe. And he gave her money for the bus before. But she was really cold. So she bought a jacket. And she was really hungry. So then she she says that if he spots her 80, she'll get on a bus. So she's like, just give me your address. And you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pay you back. And he's like, I can't keep giving you money, sweetheart. And so I'm like, who is this girl? Like, what's going on? And why is she, like, showing up asking for more money? So um, he's like, what I can give you is a job. Because, you know, he's, I guess he owns a diner. You know, he's, he's in the back. Um, so he's like, you know, be a waitress at the, diner, at the diner. Make your own money. But she's like, the thing is, I'm not staying. She's like, I just need the bus fare. 
So then um, Logan's at the school to talk to students who are on Ethan's list. Dexter, meanwhile, is at home searching Harrison's room. You know, Logan says counseling is available. It's scary to be targeted. Does anyone have questions? Zach just wants to give a shout out to Harrison for saving all their butts. And then then they're like, speech, speech, which is like so stupid. Harrison's like, you know, he doesn't know what to say, but he's glad no one got hurt. And he's like, you know, I don't hold anything against Ethan. He planned to do something terrible and ended up, you know, stabbing him. But he's like, you guys picked on him for years and you, you beat him up and made his life hell. So he's like, yeah, everyone's saying that Ethan's a psycho and a monster, but he was definitely a victim. So he says, so I guess, you know, we all have two sides to us. Dun, dun, dun. Kurt um, drives Chloe to his place, and there's uh, underground bunker doors, which look familiar. So then Dexter, meanwhile, um, he's looking under, like, Harrison's bed. You know, he's trying to find anything. He doesn't know what he's looking for. Grabs a flashlight to, like, look under, but there's then he notices there's no bulb in the flashlight. So he opens it, and there's, like, a little straight razor in there. And then Deb shows up and says, Trinity used a straight razor to kill his mother. You know, he was born in blood, just like Dexter. And Dexter thinks, he has my dark passenger. So, that's not good. Uh, you know, Harrison seemed like he was a good kid and all, but obviously not. <laughs> you know, he he stabbed Ethan, and he basically ruined his life and his parents' life. <laughs> so, this, this isn't good. Uh, Dexter... He's going to have his hands full. And plus the fact, and now, oh, so Matt's father, did Matt's father kill that girl? Did he have her locked up in a room, you know, with the watching her in the camera and then let her go and then shoot her? So everyone's messed up. What is going on in this town? So, so I, I enjoyed that ish episode. I was at issue. With Chucky, season one, episode nine, An Affair to Dismember. So this is just, I'm, I'm so surprised with this the series so just uh before i get into it you know this is a season finale and they just they pulled out all the stops i mean it's, it's just been really it's been so much fun when it first started and you know we have like all these kid characters i'm like who are these kids you know it's like whatever it's like i don't care about them but i really like i, I really grew to like the kids and you know seeing like how who's going to survive and everything like that and just seeing how they've changed and then also the fact that you know they they brought in characters from the movies and just really tying it all together so it feels like it's more than just like a chucky tv show this is a continuation of the overall story that um you know which started in in child's play one two and three and then you know there's their stuff with bride of chucky with tiffany and then with uh curse of chucky and cult of chucky so you really you it's i mean it's not like absolutely mandatory that you watch all those but it really enhances the the show if you have watched all those movies because then you just see like the different characters and know who they are and how it all ties together so with that it starts off, you know, uh, so Junior basically just killed his dad with, with Chucky in the last episode. Andy Barkley, so Andy from the first movie, little kid Andy, he's an adult now. He's like ringing the bell. Chucky and Junior are watching from the window, and, and Chucky's like, because he's like, Junior's like, who is that? And Chucky's like, oh, it's someone who never had the balls to be, you know, one of us. And Junior's like, well, what can we do? And Chucky's like, what do you think? 
And and the thing is, like, they're both covered in blood. So it's like, you know, how are they going to answer the door? Junior apparently washes up super quickly. And, you know, it's so easy to get the blood off, right? And there, I, maybe he changes clothes too. Answers the door. Andy says he's looking for Jake Wheeler. And Junior's like, who are you? And Andy's like, a friend. And Junior's like, well, he's not here. Then he's, Andy's like, well, what about your mother? And Junior's like, she died. And Andy's like, how? And he's like, not that it's any of your business, but she killed herself. Then he's like, is your dad home? He's like, actually, he is this way. So Junior's just being like really weird. So he, Andy goes in and he's like, how do you know Jake or whatever? He's like, we met in an online chat group for like collecting dolls or something like that. He was going to sell him a good guy doll. And Junior says that he's like, oh, I didn't know he was getting rid of Chucky. And then um, Andy's like, is Chucky here? They go into Jake's room. He's like, huh, he was just here. And Andy's like, your dad or the doll? And Junior's like, both. He's like, he must have gone out. And then there's kind of like a thud or a noise like in a closet. And Andy's like, do you mind if I take a look around for the doll? Because, you know, he really wants to buy it. He opens a closet and Junior's like, like in anticipation, like almost excited waiting for Chucky to come out. Nothing's in there. So Junior, um, he's like, well, my, my dad must have gone to his girlfriend's. And then he's like, do you think he took the doll? And, and Andy's like, well, you know, why don't we call him? So they, they call, then they hear Andy's dad's phone ringing, and it leads him to the bathroom. So there's a bubble bath ready. So it's like, who, who made a bubble bath? And uh, the phone is in a row pocket. And then they both, like, look at the tub. And Junior is just like, it's like, what is going on with this kid? You know, what is Andy thinking? So Andy, you know, they don't say, they, they don't even say anything. And he just like reaches in to the tub as Junior watches. He just he just he's just looking, doesn't say anything. And then he pulls his arm out. He tells Junior to be careful. He's like, that water's freezing. And Andy asks, he's like, you know where your dad and his girlfriend are, or or Jake? You know, and he's like, no. And he's like, well, tell him to call me. And he's like, I'll see myself out. And he's like, and if you see the doll, he's like, stay away from it. And so here's here's this guy that just walks in and he's like, I'll see my myself. I wouldn't let someone just see themselves out because like, what if they're gonna grab something on their way out or whatever? Junior looks around. <laughs> Chucky was hiding in a toilet. He's like, I knew he'd never look in there. Junior's like, Why don't you just kill him? And Chucky's like, He had a gun. He's like, That's like my Achilles heel. He's like that and acid and f- fire and those big industrial fans or whatever. And he like kind of shudders at that. He's like, well, I have other plans for him. He's, he says, he's like, well, where's my, my dad or whatever? He's like, I put him down to laundry chute. Then he asks Junior if he's hungry. But it's like, does Chucky eat? I mean, he's alive and he can bleed, but does he actually eat? Does, does Chucky poop? <laughs> Everyone poops, right? Jake and Lexi are still talking about Chucky trying to kill them. She says that, you know, he doesn't exactly need help killing. So, you know, what does it accomplish? Jake says, you know, well, maybe it's part of, you know, some voodoo spell or whatever. He wonders if uh, it has something to do with the doll he got from the bus station. And then uh, you hear some whistling. Chucky starts coming after him with a knife. You hear, hee, 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 here's Chucky. So they scream because, uh, you know, they're, they're at Lexi's house and there's like, like plastic sheets because it's being remodeled from the fire and everything like that or blocked off. So Chucky's there. How do you get there? You know, he he. They're screaming. He comes at them, and then poof, his head like explodes. He gets shot. Someone shot from outside through like the glass door, and it's like pretty thick glass. And and then they walk in, 
and then they go up to the body, three more shots while he's on the ground. Jake and Lexi are just like looking in shock, and it's it's Kyle. So somehow she got there. <laughs> she got, how would she know to get there? How did they get all their information? She, and she's there before, you know, Kyle, you know, she didn't even have a car. So somehow she got there. Lexi's like, who are you? And she tells them, she says she's with Andy. You know, Lexi's like, how many freaking Chuckies are there? And Kyle's like, that's a really good freaking question. He's like, we need to kill them all. And Jake's like, well, we need to find Devin first. And then Kyle's like, okay, well, let's, you know, let's figure this out, make a plan. We're going to need coffee. So Kyle explains that Chucky can splinter himself as they, they wait for Andy, you know, because maybe he's going to come there or something like that. So he can only go into good guy dolls and they have to be identical, except for Nika. And they're like, who's Nika? So Nika, we, we've seen. So they explain who Nika was, you know, she was a patient and everything like that. And he basically possessed her. So last week, there were just three dolls, and they thought Jake's was the last one. But if he can corrupt someone, get just one kid to kill, he can create an army. So she asks if, if either of them have killed anyone. <laughs> Lexi, like, looks at Jake, since, you know, he was going to kill her. And he's like, oh, just let it go. So then they're like, Devin must be bait. Lexi looks like she's getting sick or something like that. You know, she's sitting on, on the sofa, and she drops her mug, and, psh, and it shatters. And then they both get like all woozy so they were drugged and kyle's like andy would kill me if anything happened to you she's like this is the only way i can think to keep you safe she's like i i promise i'll do what i can to save your friend so kyle drugged it too tiffany comes home nika chucky is on the floor and she's like please don't hurt me tiffany takes out a needle and then chucky it's actually chucky it's not nika so chucky kicks her and um, they're like, here we are again. How many times have I killed you? Three, four? He's like, this will be the last. And she's like, you can't kill me. She's like, you need me or the plan won't work. She's like, think about it. Then he says, you're like, thinking it's for losers. He raises a knife. And then Chucky's like, think again. So Chucky and Junior walk in. So now there's two Chuckies. There's Chucky with Junior in the doll. And then there's Chucky and Nika. So then... <laughs> Um, so Chucky dolls like she's right bro we need her she thanks both Chucky's and then she's like come to mama and so Chucky runs up to her she, she like kind of like tickles and cuddles him he, she picks him up he, he asks like where are they and then so downstairs they go down there Junior sees Devin tied to a chair and there's a whole lot of Chucky's so Chucky says you know thanks to my friend here Mr. Patricide he's like we're ready so Junior looks at Devin, and he's like, do you want me to kill him? And they're like, nah, he could still be useful. So then uh, the Chucky doll starts talking to the troops, and he's like, you know, pretty soon we're going to party like it's 1999. And Junior asks Nika Chucky, like, what's that mean? And Chucky's like, we're going to F them up. Then he tells them, he's like, vaya con Dios, kill them all. And one asks, is there an age limit on the victim? And he's like, uh, nobody under the age of five or six. And then another's like, well, what about twins? Like, they'll gang up on you. That's not a fair fight. Am I right? And Chucky looks and laughs, and they all laugh. <laughs> so it's funny because, like, these other Chuckies, you know, they're, they're still Chucky, but they're almost, like, not as bright as Chucky. But it, So it was cool that they're, they're a little different rather than just being, like, the same Chucky. So the dolls are loaded in the delivery van. 
Tiffany gives Junior some food. Uh, Chucky and Chucky Nika talk about Andy. He's like, you should have seen the look on his face when I whacked his babysitter. And they, they both laugh. Tiffany says, you know, we did it, but he's too invested in, in talking to Nika Chucky. And he tells T- Tiffany, he's like, in a minute. And he asks Nika Chucky, he's like, what's it like? And Nika Chucky's like, you wouldn't believe amount, the amount of tail I get like this. And Chucky's like, uh, and then, you know, more going on. And then, uh, like, bragging. And Tiffany's like, dick too. And then Chucky Dowell puts his hand to his, his head like an embarrassment or something like that. So then Tiffany starts complaining. You know, she's like, which Chucky is she talking about? Uh, so either. Uh, she's like, a real man would know how to treat a lady. And Nika Chucky st- stands up and says, but I don't see no lady. And she slaps her hard. And then Nika wakes up and freaks out. So she, like, knocked Chucky back into unconscious whatever so tiffany says you know at least she shows me some respect and so chucky Dowell apologizes then says kill her you know what that does to me so tiffany says that she's part of him and he's like oh there's plenty of me to go around he's like there's 72 more on the truck he's like now kill the bitch tiffany is sad and you know she doesn't want to do it she pulls out a little knife and then he tells uh junior to do it so junior takes in the knife and he asks, like, who is she? And Chucky's like, she's uh, his GD trophy. She's like, do it now. Do it or or he'll do, you know, all three of them. So Tiffany screams and cuts Chucky's throat with, and decapitates him. So there's tons of blood. And he's then he's like, everything's upside down. So Junior moves in on Tiffany and she tells him to back off. Like, you know, she's like, who do you think is going to help you get out of this? And she tells Chucky, she's like, I'm done with you and your petty poop and your massive ego and your tiny dick. And then she asks, she's like, do you ever, you know, think about how the cops found you that night in Chicago? So there's a scene from like last week's episode when he, you know, he killed a pizza. No, he killed someone, uh, you know, someone in, in a room. And then she came home and he's like, says that he's leaving or he's got to go somewhere. So she called the police about the Lakeshore Strangler, and then he Chucky yells. He's like, one of these days, he's like, I'm going to get you no matter what. And she's, says, she says that he needs her. So she drugs Nika. She tells Junior to tie, up, tie her up and then opens a suitcase, and there's like a, a bomb in there for Andy. In the car, Nika is in the back seat. Junior is in the passenger seat with a, a different doll, and he asks if he can keep him. He's, she says, but he asks a... Uh, you know, clean up the mess. And, and then she sets this like a laser trigger for the bomb at the, you know, at the place. So when Andy walks through the door, so like, you know, like at the, down at the foot of the door or whatever, there's like a laser. So like the beams interrupted, it's going to set off the explosive. Okay. So then inside uh, severed Chucky head tries talking to his body. You know, he's trying to, he makes it get up and he tells it to kill the kid. Cause you know, Devin's still in there. Then um, Andy comes in and starts beating on the body with the bat. Devin tells him that the front door is booby-trapped, and Andy grabs his lighter and asks Chucky, he's like, where are the others? Because he figured, you know, fire will get him to talk. Then Kyle's outside calling Andy, and then Chucky uses a kid's voice. He's like, help me! And Andy yells, like, no! And Kyle opens the front door, triggers the bomb. Boom. Jake wakes up. It's the next day. Um... He tries waking Lexi up, and Jake's like, how long were we asleep? She looks at her phone. She has, like, 100 texts from her mom. She's like, oh, she's actually worried about me. She tells him to look at his phone, 
explosion at Sherwood Lane, fatalities. So she hugs Jake and says, sorry. So I guess that's the end of Devin. Jake goes to Devin's old room and sits on his bed. He's like, his tears. And then Devin walks in. He's like, Jake? And he's like, I thought you were dead. They hug, and then Jake kisses him. Devin says, that woman at Bree's uh, wake planted a bomb. He got out, but Andy and Kyle were inside. So Andy and Kyle are dead, but Devin made it out. Jake mentions that Kyle said Chucky has to convince an innocent to kill so he could make an army. And Devin says Junior killed his dad. And he says that there is a, a room full of dolls. Jake thinks that maybe um, at the, mayor, the mayor's benefit charity thing, that he's going to make a move there. So the mayor is talking. She's going to announce the identity of the celebrity guest. It's Jennifer Tilly. Inside the theater, Junior um, with Chucky on his back. He's like, Lexi, like help me, because you know Lexi and Caroline are, are standing there. So she goes in, and he calls from further in. So uh, the mayor is talking that they have 72 vintage good guy dolls that will be given away. Then Caroline's like, I want Chucky. And Tiffany uh, gives uh, the doll to Caroline. Inside the theater, Lexi goes further in. Junior is like walking away. You know, Chucky's like on his back, kind of like with a knife to his throat, like pretend. And um, then the, the the Frankenstein movie starts. So Michelle wonders where Lexi is, and she's behind the screen. So Chucky's standing there. She's like, "What did you do with Junior?" And he, he comes out behind her with his own knife. In the theater, the mayor's husband, so Nathan arrives, sits next to her. She's happy, and she's like, I'm going to go get some popcorn. So Chucky is is sitting next to this other Chucky sitting next to Caroline. So he crawled under the seat, and then he tries stabbing Nathan, but he moved over to, his, to Michelle's seat. Then Junior says, he's like, I think we should get back together. He's like, it's incredible. I used to be so afraid, afraid to compete, afraid of my dad. I was even afraid of you, but Chucky changed everything. He taught me how to be a man. And then the mayor comes back. And she's like, what did I miss? And she offers Nathan some popcorn. He's sitting there, and blood dribbles out of his mouth onto the popcorn. So, so the mayor eats some popcorn, and she like kind of notices it tastes weird. And then she starts screaming. Another person gets stabbed in the butt. Chucky's crawling under, like, stabbing people in the butt, I guess. Everyone's like, gets up, starts panicking. He stabs another, then another, then another. The mayor gets... Bam, knocked down. And she, when she tries getting up, she's like, gets like kicked. You know, people are just like stampeding out. She gets kicked again and she's like knocked out now. Behind the screen, Chucky tells Junior he's a winner. A winner says, F the loser who can't take a joke. Junior says to join them. Chucky says that, you know, she and Junior are made for each other. Caroline is still sitting next to her dead dad watching the movie. Then Jake and Devin come up to her and he says that, you know, Devin's gonna to get her out of there and you know she has to hold his hand she's like but the movie isn't over yet and then Chucky starts to uh, go after them and Jake yells Chucky here I am a-ho come and get me and Chucky says that once he chops into pieces the world's gonna forget all about him he's like they're gonna forget the names of all the people who died they're only gonna think about the number who died and he's like, they won't think about pathetic losers like Jake. They'll think of Hackensack as ground zero for him. Jake says that not if they, they stop that truck. And then he starts running. Chucky 
runs across the, it's where so Jake starts running Chucky runs across the row the aisle seats and he manages to slash uh, Jake's leg so Chuck Chucky says that he's probably wondering how a little doll is so strong he's like you know you're you're no match for the power of whatever you know he says his voodoo prayers to <laughs> Lexi talks to Junior you know she's like you were the sweetest boy I met and she's like you know if you fall I'll catch you and Chucky keeps saying kill her or I will. So Junior runs at Chucky and stabs him. Says that you know he's not like us. Junior gets stabbed in the chest too. So he's and he's just like tell everyone, I'm sorry. So they stabbed each other basically. Chucky is still on top of Jake. So did all the Chucky. And he's like laughing. Jake manages to throw him off and then he kicks the knife away and he puts his foot on, on Chucky's chest. Devin picks up the knife and hands it to Jake. He says he's like I don't need that poop. He's like, all I need are my bare hands. So he slams him and Chucky against the wall. And Chucky's like, he's like, they'll never believe you. He's like, they never do. He's like, he tells him to admit it. He's like, when you, when I killed your dad, you were thrilled. I saw it in your eyes. And he says some more stuff. He mentions Devin. And then Jake squeezes Chucky's throat. And he keeps squeezing so hard. It makes like Chucky's eyes bulge. And blood starts coming out. And then the eyeballs plop out. He's like, watch your mouth. That's my boyfriend you're talking about. And then Devin and Jake leave the theater. So Lexi's with her mom and sister. Caroline's crying. She's like, what about daddy? And Lexi sees Jake and Devin. And they ask, you know, about Junior. And they just, she shakes her head. So the truck with the good guy dolls is ready to leave. And Tiffany gets in her car. The sort of van driver gets knocked out. And Andy's there. So Andy's alive. His face is a little cut up and stuff like that. So Tiffany's car won't start. So I don't know if Andy did something to it. And then Andy, so he's in the driver's seat of the truck. He kind of lives, leans out and gives the kids a thumbs up. And then Tiffany sees him and he flips her off. And she's like, no! And he drives off. Police start to arrive at the theater. Then a Tiffany doll with a gun breaks. There's like a window between the back of the, the like it's kind of like a U-Haul truck or whatever. So there's a window that goes from the, the back to the cockpit. So she has this little gun. <laughs> so it's a Tiffany doll. She breaks it. And he's he's like, oh, you're not as good looking as I thought you'd be. And she's like, just drive. So she's like holding the gun to him. Nika wakes up as Tiffany walks in, as Jennifer Tilly Tiffany. She says that you know she really likes her, but she couldn't risk Chucky sneaking back in, so she fixed it. Nika is like groggy, and there's like a bandage on her neck. Then Nika looks down. Her arms and legs are cut off, and she screams and screams. So basically, Tiffany chopped off her, her arms and legs. So that's pretty sick. And then uh, we see the science teachers outside, so she must have been let free, because obviously she didn't do it, because there's all these other killings. Jake, Devin, and Lexi go to a cemetery. They're, you know, talking about how can they fight against someone who could look like a friend. Jake says that, you know, if people die, it's it's up to them to remember them. So they end up at the Wheeler's graves. And he says, you know, Junior wasn't born with evil in his heart. Chucky just put it there. So he he tried, you know, doing that to him. They stopped him. They saved his life. And then they, they hug each other, too. So Devin um, says, he's like, we can never tell anyone what really happened. He's like, not even our teacher. He's like, United is how they fight back. That's how you win. And as they're talking at the cemetery, there's like, you see from behind a tree, a gloved hand is watching them. So who could be watching them? Maybe it's Kyle. 
because Kyle had gloves and she got like Andy some like you know driving gloves or whatever. So maybe Kyle's alive too, because we didn't actually see her body. And that's the thing. It would be it would would suck if they killed her because you know you don't want to kill these. I don't know what don't necessarily want to call them legacy characters, whatever. But you know she was a big role. They bring her back and then just to kill her. You know maybe she didn't want to do more episodes. But the fact that we didn't actually see her body when she died, but then it they said that there's fatalities. So like who died? Maybe neighbors. There's fatalities. I don't know. So someone's watching them. And if it's Kyle, why doesn't she say anything? Why is she hiding, being a creeper? Then we see Chucky sitting by a fireplace in a robe reading a book. He's like, ah, I hope you enjoyed my new show. So obviously this isn't in the continuity of the show. He's like, let's review who died. And he lists them all. So there's 20 people that died this season plus the cat. And he's like, and you don't want to know what happened to the cat. <laughs> so uh, 21 grand total. And he's like, at least the kids got their happy ending. He's like, true loves, BFFs, the whole bunch of dead parents. He, and he's like, what about Andy and Tiffany and that truck? So Chucky will be back 2022. So it was good. And, you know, I, I've said that a bunch of times already. So um, it's on Peacock now if you haven't watched it. You should check it out. All right, with The Flash Season 8, Episode 3, Armageddon Part 3. So we see Black Lightning and Barry, the Flash, from last episode. And he's like, justice. He's like, damn, there's like those protocols are a one-way trip. And Barry's like, I know that. He's like, in the last 24 hours, I lost my job, my home base. And I started having blackouts. I, I destroyed my apartment at super speed. I attacked my team, my family. He's like, I heard dozens of people. I don't even remember doing it. He's like, I'm out of control. And Black Lightning's like, you need to calm down. And Barry's like, he's like, I know, you know, you know what the contingency plans and justice protocols were put together for a reason, to protect the world when one of us goes rogue. He's like, it's happened. So basically he wants Jefferson to take away his powers. Jefferson wants to call in the others. And Barry's like, we don't have time. Apparently, Kara... John and Sarah, you know, they all of them, they designed a plan together. Barry said that, you know, a designated teammate would step in. And I, I don't know if they all have different designated teammates. So maybe Jefferson is Barry's. And he's like, well, you know, what if this is temporary? And Barry's like, it's not. And he's like, well, how can you be sure? Barry pauses. He's like, I forgot Joe died. He's like, the man who raised me, he passed away six months ago and I can't remember it at all. And Barry's like, you know, you took an oath that, you know, if I ever said the word injustice, you'd listen. So he's like, please, we have to do this now. And Jefferson's like, you know, he's like, my father had a saying that he's like, one day I even teach my students today. He's like, you know, where's the future right here? Whose life is this? Mine. What are you going to do? Live it by any means necessary. So he says that, you know, he'll, he'll honor his promise and, you know, do whatever's necessary. But, you know, he has to remember that they, when they take away the powers, they're gone permanently. At Star Labs, Despero's like, whatever. He's like, it's happening again. Another world lost. Another failure. Armageddon waits for no man. And it won't wait for him to find Flash. Cecile, Caitlin, Allegra, and Chester are talking in Chester's garage. They they ask, you know, do they really think Barry's going to destroy the world? And Cecile defends him. And she's like, you know, what he did was scary. But, you know, someone they love is going through a mental health crisis. So she's like, I don't care what he may or may not do in 10 years from now. We need to take care of, of him today, just like, you know, he did with uh, Cecile, you know, when she was in her little mind prison thing. Iris comes in and 
she says, you know, when Despero came and said Barry would suffer tragedy, that's when all this started happening. She's like, that's too big of a coincidence. And Chester's like, well, he's from the future, so, you know, he would know what was going to happen. Iris is like, well, what if he doesn't know that someone secretly caused it to happen? Cecile says that he forgot about Joe. It's like no one framed him into that. And Iris says that, she, you know, she's not sure. She's like, when, when her dad died, CCPD said it was an accident. And she opens her laptop. And so he he fell on the tracks at Scotts Rail, Railway. It's like, wasn't, I don't remember if that's where the other train, there's like in the, in the first episode, there's something about the two trains colliding and it's like something else was found. So I can't remember if it's all connected here. So Kramer left her with evidence, like a USB drive, but she hasn't been able to look at it in the six the, la the last six months. Then she thought about what Barry said, that they have to investigate what happened. So she started looking. So there's a video of Joe and Cecile whispers, why are you showing us this? Iris like, she's like, just trust me. So we see Joe's on his phone, like walking on a, the, by the, the, the tracks at the station. And then this guy with like a pull suitcase kind of bumps him. And because, you know, Joe's on his phone and he falls onto the tracks. He tries to get up, but then a train comes. But there's like, he, he seems to like disappear like at the last second because you kind of see like his legs sticking out and it, but it disappears before the train like hits him. So she thinks that she doesn't think Barry caused Armageddon and she thinks that her dad could still be alive. And Cecile's like, it's impossible. And she's like, is it? She's like, what if a metahuman, you know, swiped him at the last second or there was a clone or a mirror universe and she's like but she's like we we saw them bury his body you know so did barry and so did iris so chester wants to take five he's like you know and iris is like i'm not trying to upset her then what are you trying to do iris is like i'm trying to find out if my dad is still alive she's like i'm trying to prove my husband's innocent and cecile's like it doesn't matter if he's innocent we can't if we can't find him which is what we've been trying to do while you've been living in a fantasy world and she closes iris's laptop iris like if you if there's a chance this is real we can't give up is that what you think i've done so cecile's like really like off the rails here and i'm not talking about the rails that joe was on <laughs> so she goes on about waking up each morning and hoping it was just a dream you know She's trying to move on. She hoped that you know she could be there for for Iris and for Jenna and, and for his team. And you come here and want to shove my face or shove his death in my face. And he's like, he's the father of my child. And Iris like, and he was my father. And Cecile whispers, fine. It's like, you want to pursue this lie? Then we will continue to save Barry without you. And Iris is like, fine. It's like, you save him your way, I'll save him mine. And Allegra goes after Iris. So... <laughs> It's, it's so, again, I, I totally get Cecile, you know, she's totally in love with Joe. They, they got married and, you know, they had a kid. But, like, how long have they known each other? You know, we're in season eight. They didn't, I don't think it was, you know, so it's less than eight years. And I don't think it was, they didn't get married till like, third, I don't even remember. But the thing is, this is Iris's father. And, and you know, Cecile thinks, like, she has a bigger claim to this and again yes whatever so cecile says that they have to find barry before despero does no matter what it takes she says that you know she knows barry's mind better than he does and chester's like well his powers are exponentially greater caitlin mentions that you know he's powered by the flame of pytar or whatever the thing was cecile's like well then i just need you two to build me a, a boost as well so it's like oh yeah just like that no problem chester's like 
You want me to build a Cerebro out of the trash in my garage? So he mentioned Cerebro. So it's a nice reference. Then he's like, oh, frack. Yeah, I could do that. Cecile's like, they're going to need more brain power. And she knows just who to call. Iris and Allegra are at the train station. And Allegra's like, what are we looking for? Are, you know, are some sign of meta abduction or whatever. Iris stares um, right at the truck, at the tracks. And then there's like some black glittery smoke rising from them. Allegra doesn't see anything. And then, you know, because Iris is like, do you see anything there? And she looks on electric electromagnetic spectrum too, and there's like nothing. But then she mentions, you know, the cameras, you know, maybe someone tampered with the footage. So they go to talk to the security guy in the booth, and it happens to be the same guy that was on duty. She mentions uh, footage was missing some key frames, like it was tampered with. And, you know, he's like, yeah, that doesn't happen. He's like, they're on the same grid as the Shark Stadium. So whenever there's a game like there was that day, their automatic CCTV upload gets interrupted. So he pulls up the footage, like the actual footage, and it looks more complete. So Allegra asks, she's like, is that the only angle? And Iris like, no, that's okay. She's like, I was wrong. It's like, it was just an accident. So Iris was wrong about the video, I guess. He didn't just disappear. Cecile goes to this pool hall to talk to um, Ashley Rickards, who I think she's the top, about like some psychic help. They bicker back and forth like that. But then, you know, Cecile says that she can help her, her parole restrictions get lifted. So Barry with a... Jefferson, he's looking at the microscope. He's like struggling with this device because, you know, they have to figure out like, I guess, how to exactly take his powers away. I don't know. Um, Jefferson mentions, he talks about like music and Barry puts on Th- Thelonious Monk and Jefferson comments about that. So it's like, okay, what, Barry listens to, to jazz and stuff. And, you know, he says that Joe always played it, whatever. And it just it's like, what's the point of this? So the, um, there's this device that, that they came up with, um, along with Jefferson's power, it's going to cut off his connection to the speed force. Uh, Jefferson's like, it's still going to hurt. It's like, how, how would you know it's going to hurt? How would you have any idea what it feels like to be connected to the speed force? So he starts blasting at him and Barry's like, Argh. Iris, meanwhile, sitting at her office, staring at a picture of her and Joe Allegra comes in. She's like, the security guard said the red line was running early. She's like, I used to take the red line all the time, you know, back in her, her shady days when she was coming home from the chop shop. She's like, it was never early. It was always late. And she's like, the train that hit Joe passed a routine inspection two days before it hit Joe. So the odds of all this stuff are like a million to one. She's like, the odds for this happening to Joe are just too much. Iris is like, she's like, I was wrong. And she says, you know, the last six months were the worst in her life. Allegra mentions, she's like, well, when I was down, when Esperanza died, it's like, okay, that's not quite the same thing, but okay. And she's like, the the words of a hero pulled her from the darkness. As long as we keep our loved ones in our heart, there's always hope. And she slides the the, the files over. So you know, she has these uh, information. And on top of like the, the, the file folder or whatever, there's like more black sparkly stuff. So then Iris is like, I got to get back to the station. So Chester has his device built. It's a telepathic crown, whatever, for the top. So she's there. Cecile and the top both, like, power up. Cecile says, you know, with the device, she's like, it's too much, it's too much. And the top's like, you can handle it, focus. So Despero's watching. He's like, they'll find a flash first, and and I'll be right behind him. So Iris is at the train station. Then all of a sudden, everyone stops walking. So Dion is there. They talk. He says that, you know, no one screwed with the timeline, and she says that she needs him to remove her treatments or whatever. And he says that that might 
or she might get the sickness again, have to be pulled out of timeline. So I forget exactly what happened to her, but she's willing to risk it. Um, they say something about like temporal isotopes or whatever that, you know, he can see them too. There's like, you know, the black stuff, like the black sparkly smoke. So someone tapped into the negative still force. And so she's like, her dad wasn't supposed to die. Someone changed the past. Caitlin's talking to Cecile. Um, she doesn't like how the top is telling her to forget about Joe. Like, cause she's like, you know, she, cause to like re repress her feelings and stuff like that. Cecile's like, you don't know what it feels like. And she's like, I do. She's like, I went through the same thing with Ronnie. And so, so again, Cecile's like, you don't know what it's like. It's, it's like, okay, yeah, she does. She was devastated. And, you know, she was going to marry this guy. And, you know, they're in love. And who knows how long they knew each other before. You know, they worked together for the longest time. And so then uh, Cecile's like, well, it's not just my grief. You know, she's like, I can feel Iris and Barry and Jenna's because, you know, she's empath. So, you know, it's, it's harder for Cecile. Uh, and then uh, Chester gets an alert. Someone turned on the particle accelerator at the lab. So Despero's there. Uh, he says that he may have given it a little push. And the agents are like, what's going on? Everything like that. They are you know, trying to shut everything down. So then he makes them start fighting each other. And then he takes power from the accelerator. He like reaches into like this like, circuit thing and just gets the energy. So it's like, what's, what's the deal with Despero? You know, he says he's trying to protect things. But is he really? Cecile and the top are searching for Barry again. They can see like Flash with Jefferson. And then Cecile sees Despero behind her. And he's like, you know, open your minds to me and show me the Flash. But the top turns on them. And she's like, she wants to show him where the Flash is so they can go and kill the Flash together. And he asks her, he's like, what makes you think I want your help? And then she's like, well, okay, then go ahead. You can read my mind. So he goes in and he ends up killing her. Or it looks like he kills her. So he wasn't able to get the full location, so he needs to go in Cecile's mind. She tries fighting, and he's like, you have no allies left, and you're alone. And she's like, no, I'm not alone. Her eyes glow, and she zaps him away somehow. Caitlin and Chester wake up because they got knocked out. Caitlin checks, and, and she's like, oh, the top is alive, barely. So she's not dead. Chester uh, found Barry. He's like, he's at the hall. And Cecile's like, that's what was in my mind. So, of, of course, you know, she knew that, too. So Despero must know that as well. Jefferson's still blasting Barry. He wants to take a, a break. So I don't know how long this process is. But Barry just wants to get it done before Despero arrives. Jefferson's like, you're not telling me everything. And then Barry's like, he's from the future. He says that, you know, he'd kill him or whatever. And Barry starts getting mad at Jefferson. You know, he's, he's just going to give up after everything he told him. And he throws some lightning and Jefferson dodges it. And Barry's like, he says, either way, you know, he's going to help him finish this. And Barry's like, look at what I just did. He's like, you just need to keep the world safe. And so, you know, Barry's throwing more lightning and Jefferson's able to catch it, direct it back and stuff like that. And Barry asks, he's like, do you remember what we called it injustice? Because if one of us goes rogue, the rest of the world doesn't stand a chance. So then he grabs Jefferson's arm. He runs all over the room. They end up like crashing into Arrow's costume case and stuff like that. And then Barry sees his bow and arrow. And Jefferson's like, he, he's like, if he, he asks him if he thinks that this would be what he wanted. He's like, he traded his life for you. He's like, a man like him lays down his life for a man like Barry for one reason. He's the best of them or best of us. And Oliver Queen wasn't a quitter. She's like, don't you dare quit. Barry's like, I'm sorry. And he's like, it's okay. And he's like, where's the future? And Barry's like, right here, etc., etc. So Jefferson extends his arm and then Despero arrives. He grabs him by the throat 
and he says he told him that you know he was going to kill him. Iris and Dion arrive too, and she's like, "Let him go." She's like, "Someone changed the timeline to kill my father, and make Barry seem insane." He says, uh, "He's like, oh, you really believe you're telling the truth? How tragic!" So then he turns to Barry, and then Jefferson zaps him like in his third eye, in his forehead. Uh, he tries holding him with lightning. You know, he has like like a lightning like all tied up. He he talks to Barry. He's like, "Go to you know, I, I think he's going to go to the future or something like that." He says, that "He's like, I'm not going to make it," and. Uh, he because you know he doesn't have much speed force left but then dn's gonna give him some still force too so he can go so barry arrives he's like in the future because you you see like the the i forget what it said the night end is nigh or something so uh then there's a sign private event west party so barry goes in there and somehow he he changed so i guess his clothes is under his costume i don't know how his costume works we see cecile's there um Alex, Allegra, Ryan Choi, and his husband, I think. Um, Chester's there. Harrison Wells, or is it Eobod Thon? So now he's like, he's part of something greater, something wonderful. He, you know, he, um, Harrison or whoever's taking, making a speech, he takes Iris's hand. He's like, you never know the face she'll be wearing when she knocks on your door and changes your life. He's like, to Iris West, the love of my life, and to our future together. And then Iris sees Barry. And like the new Batwoman, she's there. She's like, what the hell is he doing here? So this is the future. And Iris is apparently going to marry either Harrison or Eobod. It's obviously it's got to be Eobod. Or is it? It's got to be him. So he's behind all this. But what the heck is Despero dealing with? <laughs> I don't know. And yeah, I, I don't know what's happening. But we'll, I guess we'll find out next week. No one leveled up this week, so it's kind of kind of a a, a bummer. So they they're they're slacking here. Okay, then I want to talk about Cowboy Bebop. So I'm not going to go as in depth. I'm going to try not to, but no guarantees. Um, just to, to go through the rest of the episode. So episode six or session six, whatever you want to call it, binary two step. So the ship needs some repairs, and you know Jet's trying to cut corners because it's like fifteen thousand dollars for just one part. You know, there's this mechanic that's that's there. Um, Spike's in his room, finds this old Polaroid of him and Julia, and and then he ends up putting it in a trash. So Jet tells him there's this bounty for him to go after. It's like 90 million Wulong. And he asks Faye to keep an eye on the mechanic while, you know, because he wants to go get uh, a cheaper, he's like, I can get a part cheaper, you know, off of, you know, the black market or something like that. And uh, the mechanic lady seems to be hitting on Faye. So Spike goes after this guy because he's he's uh, under this new name is like kind of like this self help guru. So he goes to this place and he's like, "There's no one there, but there's these telephone or television screens that are able to talk to him, and they're, they kind of keep like switching, bringing him like deeper into the place, telling him that uh, the the dude, the doctor, you know, the new name will see him in just a second. So he goes there, and um, but then. He, he sits in his chair and it, it starts doing some stuff, but then he gets up, he goes outside, uh, out the back, because, you know, he's, he's just, like, tired of this BS, whatever, because, you know, he talked about he had to put the scanner thing to his eye, free your mind and everything like that. So he goes out the back and it leads him to the alley and seems, uh, everything seems a, a little weird. And then someone calls out fearless and it's Julia. She's like, they're coming for you today. And she said that, you know, she's like, I didn't come to be with you. I came to save you. And she says, she's like, you have to, you know, let me go. And he said he tried for three years. He can't. And then she gets shot in the head. 
so Julia gets gets killed. Vicious is there with some goons. He pulls his gun to shoot, and they they all shoot him. But then Spike is still in the chair in the mind thing. So they're like messing up with him. He gets up, goes out the back again. He's in the alley, and you know the same stuff happening. There's this like crash, and then, you know this car backfiring, and then um, he's still in the chair inside. So um, <clears throat> Jet manages to get a, a bargain price for the ship. Uh, he tries calling Spike, but there's no answer, and uh, you know Spike's his like his brain is being mapped out or something like that. So Jet ends up at the place looking for Spike. He finds Spike strapped to the chair. There's this other guy there, um, you know, that helps him. He's like, if you take off the the headset thing, it's it's gonna fry his brain. So they need to or turn off the device, but the device is like at the old facility on Earth because I think they're on Mars, right? So Faye and the lady mechanic they went at it and you know sort of laying in bed talking and. And Faye is like talking about how she doesn't remember anything before her her cryo sleep and stuff like that. So then Julia is talking to Spike, asks if his partner knows what he used to do and who he used to be. And he's like, "No, he'll probably kill me when he finds out." And then uh, Jet goes back to the ship, walks in on Faye and mechanic. He's like, "WTF?" And Faye's like, "Can you knock?" He's like, "This is the engine room." He's like, "Spike's in trouble." They need to get to the machine on Earth. And mechanics like she, you know, he gives her the part. He's like, put it in. She's like, you got the wrong part. It won't fit. He's like, make it fit. And he and he starts um, taking the ship off. So even though the, sh- the piece isn't installed, he's like going to fly, try to fly to Earth. So the mechanic and Faye are trying to make it work and everything like that. And then the engine starts like frying. Um, Spike's VR scenario is getting glitchy. Julia is like getting mean and stuff like that. And she's like, Spike's the monster, the psychopath. That she doesn't love him. Everything he touches dies. So like that. Um, so they, they make it to Earth. They can't get into the room to fire this machine. But then um, Faye got this railgun before, and they're all like saying, like, oh, those things are garbage, you know, because she was all excited about ordering this new gun. So um, the mechanic gives her like a bobby pin that she can put in a railgun, and it shoots. Because there's like this big, like, bulletproof glass, and, you know, Spike is like trying to bust through it and everything like that. They get through it, and they, they turn off the machine. So Spike's all right, but he looks a little weary. Then Spike goes back to his room. He takes a picture of Julie because he, in his mind scenarios thing, he said that he would go and he, that he would leave, you know, leave Julie behind. But then we see like the last one. He's like, "I'll go, but not without you." So he's not going to let her go. And in his room, he takes the, the picture out of the trash. Seventh episode: Galileo Hustle. Faye and Spike are outside, and she mentions like wanting to have a dinner party or something like that. Spike has a migraine. He's going to go back inside, get some sleep. And then this lady comes up. Her name's Whitney. It's just a lady who who stole Faye's identikit and pretended to be her mother. So she wants Faye to give her a ride to another planet. And then, you know, Faye's like, well, you know, I teamed up with a couple of cowboys and there's a big fat bounty on your head or whatever. And, and she's like, well, why would you do that to your dear old mother? So she's basically saying, you know, help me and I'll, you know, give you your, your identity back. So she goes inside and, you know, she like has a way to cure Spike's migraine. Like, you know, he his his back was misaligned or something like that. And so she's doing all this stuff and and she's really charming and all that. So like Spike and, and Jet really like her and Faye is kind of like playing along. Like, you know, she's a daughter and stuff like that. The problem is Jet doesn't want to go on this trip because, you know, Faye's trying to say, hey, can we just, you know, drop my mom off this place and whatever. But... He's he has this uh his daughter Kimmy Jet's daughter has a recital that he has to 
you know, tune into. She's like, you know, it'll be real fast. We'll be back in time or whatever. Um, Julia barges into Anna's office at the the club. She's like, he's alive. He's like, you know, you should have told me and something like that. But Anna's like, you know, what would you do? She's like, I could have left with him. And then she's like, and then you'd be running the rest of your life. And she's like, well, what's my life now? So Jed is a little suspicious of Faye's mom, and he decides to, to look her up, and she has this huge rap sheet. So just, you know they, they see that she's this con artist. So they, they, uh, he tells Spike that either Faye's getting taken or she's in on it. Faye walks in, and she says that when she was taken out of cryo, um, her, her mom showed up claiming to be her mom. She had amnesia. So she pretends to be family, and she steals the, the benefits. And just like, you should have told us. you know We would have had your back. And Faye's like, well, she has my identikit, and he's like, well, that's you know, even more reason for us to, to, you know, for you to tell us. So Jet's mad because she lied. You know, he invited her onto his ship, his home, and then um, this pirate message hacks in. This this dude called the Iron Meek, Iron Mink. He's the most notorious arms dealer in, in the solar system, and he's like, you have one hour to hand Whitney Ofter over, or he's gonna explode them and their ship. And then um, they're like, who are you talking about? Whatever. And then Whitney reveals, she walks in, and it turns out the Iron Mink is her husband, her re- most recent husband. So Jet just wants to turn her over, and you know he only has 30 minutes until a recital. So the, it turns out there's like a tracker under the diamond in her ring. So they're going to take the tracker while Whitney gets Faye's identikit. So Jet and, and Spike are going to go off one way to, to kind of throw off whoever's following them. Vicious um, meets with the two other people working against the elders, so he has a, a, a plan. So Mayo will leak word that Vicious is planning a coup against the elders, and then the other guy with the, the, the knife that cuts people's testicles off or whatever, then he'll bring him in in shackles. Right when they get there, the shackles will fall off, and, and Vicious will kill the elders. So meanwhile, Julia then goes to Mayo, and she's like, she basically said, wants Mayo to betray Vicious. She's like, you can have the entire throne. And Mayo's like, you know, what do you get out of the double cloth? And she, Julia's like, a ticket out of, out of the syndicate. So it's time for the recital. So Spike's going to be left on his own. You know, um, Jet goes into this, this little, like, tavern or store or whatever to sit down. So they're like in this little, he's, he's like hologrammed um, appearance, like there. Chalmers tells his ex that Jet is trying. And, you know, so he got flowers and they're supposedly from Jet. So, um, and then uh, as Jet's like watching the, the recital, you can see like the window behind Jet that Spike's fighting like all these guys outside while, uh, so Spike's fighting the guys while Jet's sitting inside watching his daughter. Faye and Whitney go to this like Whitney storage place and, and she asks Faye, she's like, are you ready to find out who you are? And she's like, she says that, you know, she was out for a while. No one came for her. So either they didn't care or she was, or they're all dead. But Faye's like, I have to know. She, she finds a, the thing that matches her, the key, you know, her identikit number. She opens a case and there's a, a, like a VHS tape in there. She's like, what the F are you? So uh, Spike is still fighting. A guy goes flying through the window, and it wakes Jet out of the holo, and the, the recital is over or whatever. So it turns out Spike took care of them all. And then uh, Jet turns over one guy in a mink coat, but that wasn't a mink. So the mink finds Whitney and Faye at the storage place, and it turns out he put more than one tracker on her. 
And then he sees like a bunch of stuff in there that, that she stole from him. So he's like, it pains me, but I must kill you to save face. He's like, otherwise the iron mink is just mink. Faye stands up. She's like, don't kill her. Don't kill Whitney or me. And he's like, who are you to ask that? And Faye's like, her daughter. And Mink's like, oh, this is a very sweet moment, but unpleasant. He's like, now nah, he must, must kill you both. And then um, there's this guy with him, like a bodyguard, Dimitri. He turns around and shoots Dimitri. He's like, now we must make love. And Faye's like, wait, was this all just a kink role play? And then... Um, so they, they go at it. So Faye's just like, so she takes off. She ends up taking this like ship that Whitney had in storage and, and, and takes off. So she apologizes to Jet and Spikes. You know, she should have trusted them. Uh, Jet is like hooking up a VCR. And you see like a videotape of like a, a little kid in her bedroom. Um, there's a little hand, you know, playing the piano. A little girl says, hi, me in the future. It's uh, me, you from 15 years ago. And, you know, she has a bunch of questions. She's like, I'm rooting for you, future self. And there's more piano playing. Faye sheds a tear. And then, then you hear little little Faye's like, did you get it? And you hear her mom say, I got it. The eighth episode, Sad Clown A Go-Go. Um, vicious and a couple goons, they... they shoot a couple guys at this prison, this lab. They're looking for this homicidal maniac guy. And there's also dogs locked up in there too. So the guy is Pierre LeFou. The dogs are barking and it turns out he hates dogs, um, but not just dogs. And so Vicious shoots like the nurse lady because they experimented on this this LeFou guy. And um, so Vicious says that in return for a favor, he can have all the red eye he wants. So he wants him to kill Spike Spiegel. Uh, Jet, Spike, and Faye are bowling. They have Ayn on a leash. Um, Spike doesn't know how to how to play, but he throws a, a strike, of course. Faye does a granny shot, gets a gutter, and she's like, this game sucks balls. And then she turns around, and they have a cake for her with a candle. And she's like, I don't even know when my birthday is. And they decided that today would be her birthday. And uh, she's like, oh, you guys are the sweetest D-heads a girl could ever want. But she's like, but don't sing seriously. He's like, and they're all like, of course not. And they start singing very loudly. In the alley, they know when they're leaving, LeFou shows up and he has like a bunch of weapons under his jacket. So they start shooting. He has this force field. He just keeps laughing and shoots. He blows up a car. It makes all this fire. And, you know, basically it makes like a firewall like through the alley. So Jet and Fake are like trapped in there. LeFou um, zits up, starts beating, you know, Spike up. He has this like flamethrower on his arm and it kind of burns Spike's arm. And then uh, he's like, Vicious sends his regards. And then Jet and Faye get over. I starts barking and it like freezes LeFou. They, they get away. Uh, they use a, a burn kit treatment thing, but it's supposed to really hurt. So Jet is going to take him to someone who might have some information about this guy. So he meets up with Woodcock, and she's got information. He's a, a phantom. You scrub clean. No sign of him ever existing. She's like, that takes a lot of access and money. So it's like high-level government or syndicate. And then, you know, he's like, Jet says that he wouldn't have that kind of heat against him. And then she's like, well, what about your partner? She's, and he's like, what about him? And Jet's like, you know, saving my life was his interview. He's like, I didn't ask him any questions. And she says that, she's like, well, I did. She's like, Spike Spiegel is even less conspicuous than the Phantom and this other guy. So Spike wakes up groggy. Um, Jet comes in with some liquor from his secret, secret stash. And then Jet asks him, like, what the maniac said to him. And he says it because he saw him spike to him. And Spike said he just said, die, die, die to Ayn. Because there's something fishy about that dog. So there's like a, a flashback of an Operation LeFou's memories like 
and some an Eins there it looks like, or is it another corgi? And then you see like a kid at a carnival with a, with a red balloon. So it's this happy place, whatever. So Lafu apparently has a way to connect to the different dogs. He scrolls through like this thing, like this on his arm, and he goes to E1N, which is Ein. So he turns on, Ein like jumps up, and he can like hear through Ein. So it, then Ein's eyes start glowing like projector, and he broadcasts out of his eyes. So Lavu says like Spike Spiegel, I've traveled far to end your life, and he says I will kill your friend and destroy your ship and tear your heart out. And he's like, you have two hours before the killing begins. And Faye's like, the dog plays movies from his eyes, from his eyes. So LeFou's at the carnival. It's all run down. So Spike, uh, he gets some weapons from his room. And Jet comes in. And he's like, I know what you're doing. He's like, you're going up against a military-grade killer. And you think you can do it alone. He's like, he has a force field. And Spike's like, it's just kinetic armor. It's useless against a blade. He's like, if I get close enough. And Jet says, he's like, what? Uh, he's like, you get a drop of blood before he... You know, he kills you. And Spike's like, that's not going to happen. And Jet says that, he's like, yeah, with your, your past and all. And Spike looks at him just like, yeah, I know who you used to be. He's like, a man with your skill only comes from one place. And he's like, where did you serve? And Spike's like, I don't want to talk about it. And Jet's like, you're on my ship now. It's like, if you want to go on a suicide mission, you have to run it through me. And Faye's like, me too, nut bucket. So Faye mentions how cute Ayn is but you know he's like he can shoot video from his eyes so they leave him outside they take off and then poor Ayn just lays down like on a dock like all sad so Jet's coming up with this plan and it like rhymes he's making him read it over and over again Vicious is brought to the elders he's bound in gag and he's like struggling and everything like that and they unsheath his sword that's supposed to be the signal but then Mao whispers to him you should have known better and then Caliban, the elder, the one, he's like, you disappointed me, boy. You always disappointed me. He raises a sword, chops off Vicious's head, and it rolls, right, like right in front of him. Then it flickers, and it reveals it's really the other guy, Santiago. So then Vicious reveals himself. He's like, you shouldn't have made Julia sing when um, Mayo first met, when they first started doing this, whatever. So he takes his sword and he slashes her stomach and he starts fighting the others. He throws a, a blade at one of the elders' heads, um, and then he like just he stabs, fighting. He's killing. He kills this other elder who tried leaving. Kills two guards on either side of Caliban. At Caliban, so I thought that there were like these big aliens because they have these big heads. And he removes it and he has just a. It, it turns out it's Vicious's father. And he stabs him slowly. He's like, you, you're nothing but a scared little boy. You never be anything else. And then he's he, then he's he's dead. He's like, I beg to differ, dad. And he takes his sword back. So Spike takes off on his ship. Um, then he uses USB, um, puts it into the ship. It's like says Captain Kangaroo. And it jams his signal and it shuts down the bebop. And, you know, so Jet's like, it's going to take at least an hour to fix. So he wants to go after this, this LeFou guy, but he doesn't want Jet or Faye to, to get involved. So Mayo's like, uh, you know, she got, she's injured. She tries crawling away and she's like, tell Julia, I'm sorry. And he's like, for making her sing. And he's like, for failing to deliver your head. And then she starts laughing and Vicious is, is speechless because now he knows that Julia turned on him. So he, he swings a sword down on her. So Spike's at the carnival. LeFou's dressed as a clown. He, start, he starts shooting and laughing. Spike tries throwing blades at him, but he either ducks or blocks him. Um, Spike manages to disarm him and give him a tiny cut. 
LeFou regains and shoots some more. Spike, um, you know, he's like ducking that. He throws like this mechanical dock from a booth and it freezes LeFou. And then Spike jumps out and LeFou dodges. He gets stabbed in the leg. Um, LeFou gets, gets stabbed. He starts crying. He's like, it hurts, mommy. And then Spike turns on his hover boots and then LeFou just like floats up and it keeps going up. Then uh, the strap that was like holding him or something like that. So because like when they were fighting, Spike kind of cut a little bit. And then it like it blows up or it falls, and then the whole carnival goes up like in a chain reaction. So then we see Julia's having a drink. Fish Vicious comes in all bloody with Mayo's head, and he throws it in the fire. He's like, um, he's like, it feels like the day is only going to get better. So then session nine, Blue Crow Waltz. This episode is all a flashback because we see like Vicious and and Fearless Spike cleaning offices. This guy comes in uh, talking about taking down the syndicate. So they they stop him. Vicious stabs him like over and over again. Fearless complains about the, the mess that they made because, you know, they, they were basically they're undercover. This woman and child come in and, and Fearless pulls a gun and asks like her name. And and then he's like, you didn't see anything. He's like, run. And Vicious like they could ID them. But Spike's like, you know, no kids. He's like, it's a code. So then at Anna's, Fearless and Vicious are there in suits to talking to a boss so they, they obviously were working for they were like the the people in the suits like the underlings or whatever so this other dude has a job for them he wants them to broker a deal like for this with this guy on neptune or whatever and this, this guy really doesn't like vicious because you know vicious he's like really ambitious and everything probably because like who his dad is but this other dude doesn't like him we also see julia you know that this singer is like throwing up so anna tells julia to get ready that she and she's like i can't and she goes out she sings. She performs really well. Spike and Vicious both stare at her, you know, as she's, like, on stage. So Vicious starts wooing Julia. You know, they, they go out. They have, like, dinner by a cliff or whatever. And Spike and Vicious go to the boss. It's time to make a deal. You know, there, there are certain rules and stuff like that. Uh, but Vicious, you know, he keeps he, – he doesn't do what he wants to do or whatever. Julia ends up becoming the the headliner at at the stage. Vicious tells the one boss about how. So when he went on this uh, this meet, he like almost chopped this guy's hands off. Whatever, and the boss is like mad about this. He's like, because they're they're supposed to get like diamonds or something like that. And he's like, this is more about diamonds. He's like, he's like, I'm not happy or whatever. And he's just like angry with how Vicious is just you know again rocking the boat. So they drink later. Julia comes up. She's like, you know, Anna just made me a headliner. And Vicious has, like, no reaction. And Spike's like, that's great. So Julia wants to dance, but Vicious is just, like, in a foul mood from getting, like, you know, talked down to or whatever. And Spike's like, like, hey, dance with your girl. It'll make you happy. And Vicious is like, well, why don't you go? Then she ends up, like, they, they both go out there. And she's like, you know, how did you become partners? And Spike's like, you know, they met as kids that, you know, Vicious saved them. He's like, Vicious convinced his dad to take them in. They became brothers. And they're even doing like this like line dance type thing. And, you know, he starts to get the hang of it like really, really quickly. So then she gets like bumped and she like falls into his arm and they like kind of stare at each other. And then someone takes like their their Polaroid. So that's the picture that he had in his, his room. So after, you know, they're leaving the club, Vicious sees like the Neptune guy that they just met with. And so they drive after him. He hits him with the car in the alley. He starts like kicking and beating at him. And, you know, Spike stops him because, you know, he says he's going to kill him. And, you know, Julia's like freaking out. And Vicious is like, just take her home. He's like, I'll deal with this guy. So at her apartment, Spike tries like calming her down. 
And, you know, he's like, you're safe. You know, I'm here. And she's like, I know. And then she takes out like this necklace that Vicious gave her, whatever. And, you know, meanwhile, Vicious is pulling the, the Neptune guy's teeth out and stuff like that. And then Julie and Spike end up going at it. And um, Vicious sets the Neptune guy's body on fire. But it's like crazy because they're like at her place and they're and like they don't just go at it. And then they're just like lying in bed after it's like, well, what if like Vicious decides to stop by and check on her? Not maybe he wouldn't because he's such a jerk. So because um, like, you know, Spike, he says that, you know, all his life he tried not to feel anything or care about anything because if he did, he'd just have something to lose. He's like right now, all he's afraid of is losing her. Then his phone buzzes. It's a boss. So he goes in his office and he's like, were you with him? He's like, were, were you with your partner when he killed Kaching? So that was like the Neptune guy. And because he, he said that he was, he hit him in the street. You know, people saw that and Spike's like, I can fix this. And the boss is like, it's over. He's like, the cartel wants him dead. And Spike's like, his dad won't go for it. And this boss guy, he's like, Caliban actually sanctioned it. And he's like, he wants you to do it. Cause, and Spike's like, I can't do that. But then he's like, if he does, you know, he can make it quick. So that's why, you know, the boss is like, this way you need to do it. So Vicious is sitting in his living room with a drink. Spike comes in and has like a knife. And Vicious talks about how his father made him watch his mother kill herself when he was nine. He watched her, you know, contemplate jumping off her room. You know, any second now it'll come for him. Spike goes up behind him. He's like, I'm not going to let that happen. So Spike, then we see him goes into this building, starts shooting all these guys. He kills a lot of people. Like he's going like from room to room and everything like that. And finally he wipes out everyone. And then outside there's this girl. He's like, you didn't see anything. He's like, run. He's like, run. She starts running and then you just see Spike and then he raises his gun. I guess he ends up shooting her from, you know, afar. So he tells Julia that he can't keep doing this light that he's leaving tonight. He asks her to run away with him. She's like, I can't. She's like, he'll never stop looking for me, for us. And she's like, he, Spike says, he's like, I've loved you from the first moment I saw you. And she's like, yes, okay. So they're going to meet at midnight. He goes to Anna. He needs papers and a new name, papers for Julia too. And she's like, no. And Spike's like, she'll be safer with me than with Vicious. And she then, Anna's like, promise that you'll keep her safe. And then uh, Spike sees a bouquet of roses on tables. He's like, can I have one of these? Because, you know, the flowers are kind of rare or whatever. So Vicious is passed out on the sofa after drinking and smoking. His dad comes in. Um, so he he's there to congratulate him for what him and Fearless did. He's like, two men against an entire cartel. And Vicious like, he's like, oh, they disrespected the syndicate and you. And then Caliban punches him in the gut. He calls him an effing liar. He says that, you know, he should have ended him long ago. He says that, you know, he's like, your brother isn't loyal to the syndicate or you. He's like, while you've been drinking, he was out, you know, stepping out with your whore. He's, he's like, the papers were, you know, being processed. So Vicious... Um, comes in to Anna's, you know, he throws Gren, you know, or the, I guess her assistant or whatever, like across the desk. And he, he's like, where's fearless going? And she tells him to piss off and he threatens her with a sword. He stabs her through the, her leg in her chair. So that's why she has a cane now. Julia's packed. It's 1135. Um, you know, she's packing spikes, like uh, waiting at, at their rendezvous place. But then when Julia is going to leave her apartment, this syndicate lady's outside her door. She's like vicious once, want me to bring you to his place tonight. The streets aren't safe. So then Julia has to leave her suitcase. She has to go with this this other lady. 
Spike's waiting. It's like 11 minutes after midnight. And then Vicious and I think like four other syndicate like suits come up. And he's like, she's not coming. Not tonight. Not ever. She chose me. And then uh, Spike just stares at him. He's, and he's like, you think you're fast enough? So he drops to Rose that we see like you know many times of Rose falling into the puddle. He pulls out a gun. He shoots one, but then he gets shot a few times. He falls over this railing into like the water below, and his body just floats away. And Vicious just like stares and watches him, thinking that he's dead. So then, episode ten, um, Supernova Sympathy Symphony, <laughs> Supernova Symphony. Julia is uh, sitting, so this is where it was before. Uh, Vicious is all bloody, makes himself a drink. So he's like a toast to his new ascension as leader of the syndicate. Um, he's like, you know, it was a plan that she, it's just not the plan that she and Mayo came up with. So he smashes a, the glass against her head. He's like, how many times did you sleep with Fearless? He's like, it was him, right? It's like, so she found out that he's alive, so that's why she betrayed him. And she laughs. She's like, it wasn't Fearless, it was you. He's like, all this time, you know, I convinced myself that, you know, you couldn't have known. She's like, what kind of man sleeps with the woman who slept with his best friend? She's like, of course you, you knew and you stayed because you're no man at all. And then he turns around and says that he's going to hurt her in ways that they haven't, that haven't been invented, whatever, until she begs him to stop and then it'll hurt her some more. And then she'll have Fearless's head to keep her company. So Spike wakes up, um, flashes to fight with the clown guy, you know, Jack calls his name. Um, he and Faye are at the carnival looking for him. Uh, Faye sees a, a picture, like on, there's like this sign for like a housing development or something like that. And it's a house that she grew up with as a child in, in the video. So then Jet's like, you know, someone must have taken Spike. Spike wakes up, he's bandaged up and he's like in a new suit, it looks like. Uh, or there's a new suit hanging. So he's at Anna's. Gren brought him in. Faye is looking at the video again uh, on the Bebop, and uh, she has a computer, like, pull back the frame and kind of, like, approximate, like, what it could be. And so there's a sign, and it looks like it could say Greendale Avenue, like it said in what she just saw at the carnival. So she goes to tell Jet that, you know, she might have a clue, but Jet's like, he may have tracked uh, Spike to, you know, this nightclub, you know, named Anna's. And she's like, well, I might have found a lead to where I grew up. And he's like, can it keep? He's like, because I, I need you on this, and Spike needs you. So she's like, okay. So Anna finally tells Spike that she uses a cane because of Vicious. That you know, And then Jet and Faye come in with gun rays. You know, Gren raises guns too. And Spike's like, they're with me. And you know, he asks them all to lower the guns. Spike comes up, gives him a big, hair, a big bear uh, hug. But then he gets a call from Kimmy, and he's silent. Then he grabs Spike and he shoves him against Bart. He's like, who the F are you? So Gren and Anna pull out their guns again. So does Faye. He's like, they took Kimmy to syndicate. So they wanted to exchange her for him, but they didn't call him Spike. They called him Fearless. He's like, the man who took Kimmy is a man called Vicious. He says he was his partner back when he killed people for the syndicate. And Faye is like shocked. And Jay, Jed is like angry. He's like, you son of a... He's like, you're a GD hitman. And Spike's like, I was. He's like, they've been trying to kill me since they found out that I'm alive. And just like, I'll do it myself. And Spike's like, you know, you need me to barter for Kimmy. So Spike says, he's like, they said to meet at the fish factory, right? He's like, I know a way to get past your guards. Jet punches him in the gut and shoves him in the trunk of his car. And Faye's like, you can't go through with this. He's like, you know, Spike might be a dick, but, you know, he saved my life. And Jet's like... He put Kimmy's life in danger. And she's like, well, I won't be part of this. And she walks away. Julia's in the car with the three syndicate suits. 
Uh, Julia whispers to the lady next to her. It's the same lady that took her that that night to, you know, when she was supposed to run off. She's like, Vicious won't let you live after this. You know, it's like, you're the only one who knows why Vicious really tried to kill Fearless. Chet drives up to the factory, sees Vicious Kimmy in like, I think like five syndicate suits. The lady asks Julia, she's like, did you ever love Vicious? And she's like, I thought I did until Fearless. And then she's like, you should be with him. So she takes like a, a Garrett or whatever around the driver's neck, like starts choking him, stops the, uh, the other from shooting. The car swerves and flips. And then uh, at the, the factory, Jack gets out of the car. He tells Kimmy everything is going to be okay. He says Spike's in the trunk. Um, you know, he didn't exactly come willingly. So three suits go to open the trunk, and then Jet yells, Spike, now! Spike shoots from the trunk. Um, Jet starts shooting. Spike takes out the three. Jet shoots Vicious and the two next to him, but they're not really there. They're holograms. So Vicious whispers, see you soon, Spike. And then several more people come out of the, the factory with rifles and, like, laser targeting. So the lady next to Julie, Julia can barely move in a car wreckage. Um, she hands her, her gun to Julia, and she says to find him. So Julia crawls out of the car. Jet wakes up bloody. He's, like, tied to a pillar in a church. Spike's like, oh, it's good you you woke up. So I, th I thought you were going to sleep through my execution. Spike um, thanks him for changing his mind and giving him a chance to right a wrong. And Jet's like, oh, it didn't work out too well. Spike's like, oh, we've seen worse. Vicious comes in with um, several suits and he tells jet he's like i'd never heard of kids no rules right is you know he's like or no no kids isn't that right and he tells fearless um he's like i even put a spot for you in the family tomb he's like you know i'd come here but i couldn't shed any tears he's like i'd tell he tells the other to bring the girl he's like i'm not gonna hurt her i'm gonna kill her so vicious tells spike He's like, you were supposed to be my brother. But Spike's like, you know, I was supposed to end you. He's like, I won't make that mistake again. Kimmy's brought in. She runs a jet. And she's like, I'm scared. You know, Spike struggles. Vicious uh, hits him in the side. He's like, this is where you die again. He's like, I'm going to make him watch the brat die. So the suits raise their guns. But then bright lights from like outside, because they're like in this big church, cathedral, whatever. They're all like kind of blinded by all the lights. And then all the shooting starts happening. The suits are getting hit. They, they start shooting back, but they're getting shot. Faye's out there in her new ship. And she's she says, like, welcome to the ouch, mother effers. So she targets the, the ropes. She frees Spike and Jet. And, but it's like, where did Vicious go? He's like, he disappeared. Spike carries Kimmy. Um jet has a limp one guy shoots but spike turns his back and um like takes a shot like in his shoulder and then they they go outside and you know face ship there spike puts kimmy in there jet goes in and then uh phase like tells spike she's like come on get in he's like i'm not finished here and you know jet's like let him go and then she's like phase like shoot shoot them before they shoot you so he goes back into church and he picks up some guns from the, like the fallen suits. Vicious yells out, asking, "He's like, did you come back to beg for your lives?" Spike says that mercy's for the weak. Remember, Spike sees stairs that lead up. There's like a suit tried shooting him, but Spike ducks and takes him out. He shoots another one, waiting for him. Reaches the top. Vicious comes from behind, swinging his sword. Spike blocks it with his gun. Vicious knocks the gun out of his hand. Spike has just like a piece of wood that he he got. So it, it's almost like in the shape of like a police baton. So he manages to hit Vicious in the face a couple times. Um, then the, there's a sword to sp the Spike's chest, and and uh, Spike got a gun, and he's holding a gun to Vicious's chest. So it's like kind of like a standoff. He stabs a little bit, and Spike shoots. Uh, Spike screams for some reason, 
uh, which is weird. You know, he barely got got hit. Whatever. Vicious gets the gun and points, and then he gets shot by Julia. So she asks Spike if he's okay. He's like, I am now. He's like, I dreamt of you endlessly. And she's like, well, why didn't you come for me? He's like, all these years, you knew where I was and you let me languish with him? She's like, why? And Vicious says, because I told him that you chose me. And Julia's like, and you believed him? Spike's like, I shouldn't have. He's like, I'm sorry. He's like, you know, we can be free of all this, you know, the syndicate him. And she's like, why would I want to be free of it? She's like, the elders are dead. The throne is up for grabs. And she gives... uh, him the gun and she's like kill him and he's like no he's like that life he's like i don't want it anymore and she's like what about what i want she's like i'm done being scared i'm tired of thinking that today's gonna be the day that he tires of me and tosses me from the window and she's like you know she tells spike she's like you made me and she's like spike was nothing more than a dream that she needed to wake up from so she shoots him and he goes flying through the church window like falls back and he's like staring at her and he has like flashes of memory. So he's flying out of, out of the church. He's, he's going to die. Jet and Kimmy sit. Jet's ex and Chalmers drive up. And she's like, Daddy, I want to go home. She's at the Chalmers. So he like picks her up and just kind of like looks back at Jet and they leave. So that's like if things could get worse for Jet. Faye um, packs up a bag and a videotape. She turns off the light in her room. She goes up to Jet. She's like, I'm all packed up. He's like, yeah. And she's like, I'm heading out. He's like, yeah. She's like, I know you're going through a lot of poop right now. And she's like, I have to find out who I am. And he's like, you need to do that. And, you know, she gives him a hug. But he's just like sitting there. Vicious wakes up groaning in pain. He's chained to like some pipes. Julia's like, hello, Vicious. And he growls at her. He's like, you're dead. He's like, I'm the head of the syndicate. People will. And she's like, will what? She's like, you're an elder now. No one is allowed to see the elders. And she's like, as your wife, I'll be speaking on your behalf. So really, I don't think we need you at all. She puts one bullet in the gun, spins it. And he's like, Julia, Julia. She pulls a trigger, click. And she's like, we'll try again tomorrow. And she walks out. And he's like, no. Spike hobbles down by the docks. Jet sees him and he like scoffs. He's like, I knew you'd survive. He's like, it's what cockroaches do. He's like, the only reason you're still alive is because you helped save Kimmy. He's like, your buddy Vicious was right. Death follows you wherever you go. He's like, it's in your bones. And he's like, if I ever see you again, I will kill you. So Jet hobbles into the bebop and Spike just turns and walks away. But what about Spike's ship? I mean, wasn't that his ship or was it Jet's ship that Spike just used? So Spike hobbles out of a bar. He's still like bloody and everything like that. He's walking and he just like falls on his, his face. And then Ed comes up. Spike, Spike Spiegel. And he's like, no, not anymore. And Ayn is there with, with uh, Ed. You're Spike Spiegel, cowboy, wake up. I have a job for you, a bounty, big man, big reward. Find a butterfly man. And he's like too loud. He's like, shut up. And he like lifts his head, but he passes out. Spike, Spike, wake up. And I'm like, this is how you end the season. So things and uh, the, this this clip is available online because uh, I was someone actually showed me this clip before. They're like, "What is this?" And as I was I'm watching this, I was like, "Okay, Ed was really annoying in that, in that clip that I saw." And as I'm watching this, I was like, "You know, episode six, episode six. I was like, "No, no, Ed, so episode eight. And then I kind of like forgot about it. 
So, man, this is like so over the top. The other characters, so you know, they're they're trying to make an anime live. That's the end of an end of season, by the way. So they're trying to make this anime live action. You know, you know, some things translate better than others. Some things are like, eh, okay. But the portrayal of Ed, oh my gosh, it is just, uh, it just, it almost like ruined the whole season for me. I'm just like, oh my gosh, that was, because, you know, with the anime, you can have over-exuberant, loud, obnoxious, you know, over-the-top characters. That's just, it just works. But in live action, it doesn't work. So that was, that was the end of (laughs) Cowboy Bebop. Um. Will there be a season two? I don't know. Um, but what I I I feel I really want to go back and watch the anime again because to kind of cleanse my palate or whatever. I mean, so the show wasn't bad. You know, it had some moments. It, you know, it gets a little better because at first I'm just like, I don't know. There's some things I like, some things I don't like so much. But overall, it wasn't that bad. And, you know, it did grow on me. But I I don't know. So we'll see. Okay, then Hawkeye, season one, episode three. I love this show. This sh- I, I just love the show so much. So it starts out 2007. We see this girl sitting in a classroom. She can't hear, but she can read lips. So it, it's Maya, um, who we saw at the end of the last episode. And obviously, if you read the comics, you know who this is and the name of the episode. So then we see her with her dad. And, you know, she's asking, like, what, what sound does the sky make? You know, what sound does a dragon make? Are dragons real? And then she's like, I thought that I was going to school with kids like me. And he's like, it's impossible. He's like, you know, you're one of a kind. And she's like, she says, he said that they could pay for it at deaf school. And he's like, sorry. And he's like, in the end, this will be better for you. You know, you'll have to learn to jump between two worlds. And she's like, how? And she's like, by watching. Then we see her like karate lesson. You know, she's watching this big kid take down this other. So then she goes up against a big kid. She's also missing like her, uh, like, uh, a leg and like a f- like f- from the knee down or something like that and this the, the big kid he seems a little reluctant whatever but then she moves fast and she knocks him down in the present she's in the ring she's fighting a bro she takes him down so then she rides a motorcycle to the garage and you hear like shing, 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 like like sword fighting inside so ronin is in there fighting a bunch of bros she sneaks around uh, and kicks open like the back door and she sees like a bunch that are either dead or stabbed or whatever, including her dad. And, you know, she goes up to him and he like tells her to go and she's like, I'm already gone. And then, you know, she's got tears and he dies in her arm. So now we know why she might have an issue with Ronan. <laughs> so Hawkeye and Kate, they're tied to these like the, the, the mechanical rides still. And I think it's like the next day. So she says to Clint, he's like, it looks like you're mad at me. She's like, you don't realize it, but without, you know, you'd be lost without me. And he says, he's like, I was about to clear your name from the suit until you decided to crash through the skylight. And she's like, oh, one bro is on a phone. He's like angry and the other ones ignore him. And Kate's like, you good? And he pauses. And then he says to her, he's like, I buy Imagine Dragon tickets for my girlfriend as like early Christmas gift, right? And she's like, mm, that, that's so sweet. He's, and he's like, then we have fight. You know what she said? She said that the tickets were gift, so she wants to bring her sister. And Kate's like, well, you know, look on the bright side. You don't have to go see Imagine Dragons. He looks at her. I love Imagine Dragons. And then she, uh, he's like, she didn't even like them, you know? She did this on purpose to hurt me. And Kate thinks that 
they both owe apologies. You know, tell her she hurt your feelings. Clint's just like, he's kind of like exasperated, you know, that this is even happening. And she's like, she says that he should apologize for pretending it was a gift for her. And he said, this is good. He's like, wait, it's like, I need a pen. And then she tells Clint, she's like, a little trust, communication, basic human stuff. And he's like, huh, what? And she's like, you know what I think? And then Ivan jumps in, you know what I think? I think you talk too much, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> he's like, she always like this? And he's like, maybe I rip your throat out, hmm? So then he turns around, or maybe she will. So Maya comes down these stairs, and Kate asks Clint, it's like, who is she? He's, he doesn't know. So Maya sees his hearing aid, and then she like untapes his hand, because his hands were like duct tape. So she signs to him, and he signs, hard of hearing, not deaf. So Maya signs something, and Clint looks at Kate, and he's like, oh, boy. Then he signs, more cookie, please, thank you. Then she has one of the, the bros the, the tie his, like tape his hands up you know, behind his back. And he says, she asked what you're doing here, Clint Barton. So this, uh, the, the, this other guy is saying, his name is Kazi. And he's like, uh, riding a unicorn? And Kate's like, learning about trust? And Kazi, the bro, is like, you rely too much on technology. So that's what she's saying. And he says, that his he's like, well, my go-to weapon is two sticks and a string. So, and then he's she's like, no, his hearing aid. She says that he might be better off without it. He looks at Kate and says something. Sometimes he thinks the same thing. Then he says, like, he's like, the suit she put on by accident. She's not Ronin. She's like, look at her. She's nine. And she's spoiled rotten. Maya mentions that. She took on a few of her, her guys and came running when he was in trouble. So she has something to do with it. And it's like, Ronan is back. Clint's like, that's just a rumor. And she's like, how do you know? And Clint's like, because he's dead. Then she's like, who got him dead? And then he mouths Black Widow. And Maya's like, so Ronan is dead and person who killed him is dead. That's convenient. And she's like, how do you know this? And he says that he was there. Maya wants to know if Kate has anything to do with this, if, or if she doesn't have anything to do with this, why she put on a suit. And then grabs her by the throat, and she mouths something. And she says that she put it on at the auction and didn't know. Meanwhile, Clint is like trying to like, cut through his ropes, or through like the, the tape or whatever behind his back. So she lets, um, she lets go, and Cassie tries pulling her back. Clint whispers, now's not the time to be scared. So he mentions going back to her family and him going back to his said, you know, she needs to rein in that overconfidence, wait for a signal. Then he busts through his, his, his whatever tape. And he like runs out and they chase after him, leaving Kate with, you know, she's still duct taped, like, you know, everything like that. So she's like, what's going on? Like, what's the signal? So Clint's on the other side of the building. I think it was like kids or us or something like that. Cause there's like some toy stuff. He gets spotted. Maya fights him. Um, she has, you know, the metal leg, you know, at one point he like hits it or something like that. And then she kicks him and his hearing aid flies out, out of his ear. He reaches for it, but then she stomps on it. And then there's more fighting. And then in there, they end up in the office. He gets his bow and arrows. And then Maya sh grabs the other bow, more fighting. He pins Maya to the wall with some couple arrows. He sh um, shoots and, and nicks uh, Kazi's ear and slices through the tape on Kate's wrist. So she takes down Kazi. He gets up, more fighting, more shooting. Kate, um, you know, she's got some moves, obviously. She tells Clint that she was doing fine, and he says that, you know, sh she smashed his hearing aid, so they have to go. Kate says that she still has her bow, and, you know, so they're outside now, so they, they need a car. 
Kate's like, oh, you know, she, there's a 72 Challenger she wants to take. But Clint busts the window like on his Cadillac. He's like, we're not going to take that on a car chase or whatever, you know, because it's too nice of a car. He starts hot, hot wiring a car and he tells her to get over so she can drive. She's like, what? She's like, I can't drive. And she tells him, she's like, you drive and I'll shoot. But, you know, he, he can't hear her or whatever. He like tells her to drive again. But then the bros come out and they start chasing and they have like a rent, rent-a-bro truck you know, like a moving truck, whatever. So she grabs Clint's arrows and he tries stopping her. He's like, he mentions like, no, 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 no. He's like, not, he's like, not this one, not this one. So there's like trick arrows. And then he starts, uh, you know, pulling some out and he tells her to be careful. So she leans out, shoots at one as, as they're chasing. And it's like purple Play-Doh. And they, they try, you know, it's like all this purple goop goes over the windshield. They try like wiping it, but it's just like smudges. They can't see anything. And then she's like, it'd be easier if we were facing the other way. He can't hear her, but he, he says the same exact thing. He's like, it'd be easier if we're facing the other way. So then she's like, hey, we're communicating. So he spins a car around. She true shoots, and uh, the trust of bro van, it blows up. And she asks, she's like, there are four more arrows more dangerous than this? So then... Uh, she shoots at Maya and Ivan and, and the Challenger, but it's like a suction cup. And she's like, what, a plunger arrow? She's like, what's a trick that it's completely useless? So Ivan, like, leans out to shoot. Uh, Clint swerves into a Christmas tree lot, and she uh, yells out, Merry Christmas, <laughs> which is kind of silly, but it was funny. Uh, she shoots this uh, another arrow at, the like, the SUV that has, like, the purple goop over it, and it shoots out, like, several cables that, like, reach out to like a bunch of trees and pulls them in. And then he gives her like two acid arrows to take out stoplights. I don't know why, why, why they did that. So she shoots the two, the, the stoplights fall, but they still go through the intersection. So I don't know what, what that was for. So um, Maya's still on his tail. They're on a bridge now and they're going side by side. Ivan pulls out a gun and Clinton grabs it like while he's driving. Kate's in the back seat because, you know, from climbing back in. And she sees her bow in the back. She's like, I'll take that. Thank you. And then she shoots another Clint's arrows inside and it hits a dash and it's like purple smoke comes out and it makes them swerve. And they, they kind of like hit like the side of the bridge and, and kind of stop. Clint says, uh, and you know, cause he's like, and a challenger gets totaled anyways. So there's traffic up ahead. So he has to like slam on the brakes and they kind of like skid, you know, sideways. Um, he gets out and sees more bros coming behind Maya. There's like another trusted, trust a bro truck and he tells her take out the, the truck so he tells her to aim high and he says you know it's just a regular arrow so she shoots and he's like aim high so she shoots it then he has one that says pim on it on the, on the side so he makes her arrow grow like huge and it smashes down right in the back of the suv so he gives her the last arrow and it's a usb arrow which we saw in like the what if animated show so he runs to the challenger um, he pulls off the plunger arrow. Maya and the bro start shooting him. Kate's like, don't move. He's like, you do not want to see what this arrow does. And then she shoots it as Clint's like running back. And it bounces off of Ivan. The guy next to him is like, ah. And then Clint tells um, Kate to follow him. They both jump off the bridge. So she grabs onto, onto the bow. The arrow that he shoots, it shoots out a grappling hook. They swing below the bridge onto, like, the train below it. And he uses, like, the plunger because he pulled a plunger. Did I say that? He pulled a plunger arrow off, off the, the windshield. He puts it on, on the top of the train to keep them from sliding off. So now, now you know, she, she's like, oh, that's what it was for. 
So they, they managed to get inside the subway car and they're trying to catch their breath. And in case, you know, as they're sitting there, Kate's like, oh, we got to walk the dog. And, and then he's like, you're not wrong. And she's like, he's been cooped up all day. How long can they? And then Clint continues, you call yourself one of the world's greatest archers. So, you know, he's like, you know, you're not wrong. She really is. And then she asks if he really thinks so, um, you know, she wasn't sure, what, you know, what to do. And then he's like, you probably should walk the dog, don't you think? You know, it's, it's funny because it's like they're on the same wavelength, you know, this is the second time. Then he's like, he's been cooped up all day. So Kate just like chuckles over this. You know, he, he doesn't know that she already said that, but, you know, so she's just takes it in for herself. So at her aunt's place, Clint can barely hear anything. He grabs some frozen peas from the freezer and he puts that like on the back of his neck. His phone goes off and it's his daughter. You know, so he you know, answers that he can't hear anything. He's like, oh, I can't really talk right now. He's like, can you can you text? And Kate walks in with a pizza dog. And, and then she like waves to him and she writes down little boy. So it's Clint's son, Nathaniel, that's calling him. So then he is like, oh, it's like, I'm OK. He's like, uh, where's mama? And Nathaniel, you know, mumbles. It's like you, we can barely hear him that, you know, she's still asleep. So Kate writes down that he's bored and Clint laughs. He's like, oh, you know, you're the early bird. He's like, you should get some breakfast or read a book until your mom wakes up. Um, and Kate, you can see there's like this little like smile on her face that like the interaction with this kid. And then um, what's the point of a book? Are you coming home tonight? It's Christmas movie marathon. And Clint's like, oh, yeah, I really love movie marathon. He's like, yeah, but I'm not gonna be able to make it. He's like, I think I'll be back in the next day or so. He's like, I'll be, you know, in time for ugly Christmas sweater party. He's like, you ready for that? There's no reply. Then Nathaniel says, it's okay if you can't home for Christmas, daddy. We understand. And Clint's like, um, I'm going to be there, buddy. He's like, I said I was going to be there. It's like, I'm so happy to hear your voice. He's like, I love you. He hangs up and he says, thank you to Kate. So the bros load up more trusted bro trucks. They're moving out. Their place is compromised. Kazi wants to talk to Maya uh, he says that this morning got out of hand. You know, she knows how dangerous is uh, going after Ronan. And he just hopes that uncle won't find out because he wouldn't be happy. And she says, she replies, if it was my father, would you be questioning him like this? Uh, and he's like, well, your father always put the crew first. She stops him. She's like, remind me who's in charge. He's like, you are. And she walks out of the room. So um, right there, a little bit of bit. He says, I just hope uncle won't find out. Who's who's Maya's uncle? If you're familiar with Maya Lopez with Echo in the comics, her adoptive uncle is this dude named Wilson Fisk, a.k.a. Kingpin, a.k.a. the dude that we saw in the Daredevil Netflix show, and a.k.a. the rumors that Kingpin is going to end. And I don't know if that, that's ever been confirmed, but uh, it would be cool if... if uh, he appears here. So then we see Clint, Kate, and Pizza Dog sitting outside. Clint gets a text from Kate. <laughs> Even though they're sitting side by side, it says, good thing they call you Hawk Eye and not Hawk Ear. He sarcastically says, ha ha, block delete. <laughs> so they're waiting for this doctor, whatever. She's like, oh, I'm kind of busy. And Kate shows her to hearing aid and says they really need it fixed. And the lady's like, give me five minutes, cash only. So they're eating, and then uh, she's talking on and on. They're at like a diner about something, you know, with the crazy battle. Clint can't hear it. Then um, he he puts in a hearing aid, and she's like, oh, was that out the whole time? 
<laughs> so she's just like she talks so much and you know he just wasn't even listening then she's like this may sound weird but i've dreamed of this for so long it's like as long as i can remember she's like my dad was fearless and his whole life was about helping people when i put that suit on i thought this is it this is the moment i become who i'm supposed to be clint says that he remembers the day he felt the same thing then he says you know it comes with the price he's like this life that you want to live to really help people or to try to help people it comes with a lot of sacrifices and some things you lose forever and Kate says, like, well, there's also some things you gain, like trick arrows in a cool costume. And she's like, speaking of which, I've been thinking about your branding issue. She's like, you need a more recognizable costume. She starts drawing, like, on a kid's menu, whatever. And he's like, uh, you realize my job for the last 20 years was to not be recognizable, right? And she says that, well, you've officially failed at that. So she shows him her drawing. And she's like, picture this, but in purple. So it's kind of like his classic costume and everything. And he's like, wow. And he's like, what's that on my head? She's like, your head uh, wings like a hawk. And she's like, that's an H on your forehead. That's for Hawkeye. And he's like, wow. And he's like, not happening. And she's like, well, what if it was all black? All black with a mask. It's like maybe a hood. And she has like, you know, you can't say who Ronan is because it's someone close to you, isn't it? It's like, it's your job to keep their secret. He pauses. He's like, there are several reasons why I'd never wear a flashy costume. He's like, my job is to be, number one, a ghost. Number two, my wife would divorce me if I put something like this on. And number three, uh, I'm not a role model. And this is because, like, all the bad things, all the killing he did as Ronan. He's like, I'm sorry, Kate. He's like, I'm not a role model to anyone. Never have been. And she's like, what? She's like, yes, you are. She's like, you are. You came here. You left your family at Christmas because you thought some stranger was going to get hurt. You stuck around even though I screwed up. And now you're stuck. Whether you like it or not, the tracksuits have connected us both to Ronan. And it's pretty clear they're not just going to drop this. And he's like, you're not, you know, you're not wrong about that. And then she's like, not to mention the fact that my mom might be marrying a murderer. He's like, and then there's that. So as far as Kate is concerned, they're in this together. So the check comes on. She's like, uh, you need to get that because my mom canceled my credit card. So he gets up to pay. And he's like, you got to get that dog a name. So she's looking at Adam. It's like, little old Caesar. Hmm. Dog father. Sir dog a pizza. Pizza dog. And he like opens his mouth. They walk and they talk about Maya and Kazi. She says that um, she assumes that the tracksuits are into some really bad stuff. He doesn't care to elaborate. Then uh, he's like, they, they started small and grew. She thought Maya was the boss, but he's like, there's someone above her that you don't want to mess with. And he says that there's obviously bad blood with Ronan, right? Or she says that. And he's like, yeah, Ronan hit their supplier on the other side and then hit the tracksuit upper management. So Clint wonders if the tracksuits were after anything else in that auction. And, you know, she's not sure. She was just focused on Jack and Armand. He's concerned that there might be stuff uh, out there floating around from the Avengers compound. He asks if she still thinks Jack is involved somehow. And she's like, yeah. He's like, he was at the auction. And yesterday he offered, you know, her a butterscotch. He's <laughs> like, what's that? So he's like, you know, he, he looks at her. He's like, that ain't exactly a crime. But she also says that, you know, she doesn't explain that it was at her uncle's place or whatever, and that they were monogram. She also says that when she's tried to stab his face to prove he was lying, he parried like a pro. Clint's like, this doesn't sound like he's involved. And she's like, right. She's like, that's why we're going to break into my mom's penthouse. And he's like, wait, what? 
She's like, so we can get into her files. You know, Bishop Security has a huge criminal database. Like, there's got to be some information on the, the tracksuits and Jack in there. So at her mom's apartment, he's like, are you sure no one's home? And they, they walk off the elevator and he's like, this is a home? Because it's like so crazy big. She goes to her mom's laptop. And she's like, they're, they're on the home network, so she should be able to get past the encryption. Clint looks around. He's like, I'm in the wrong business. And he asks, how was Armand killed? And she said he was stabbed with a sword. And she looks up Cassie. She's like, he's an employee? And Clint sees Sloan Limited. He's like, that sounds familiar. Then there's a door creaking. And he tries looking up, uh, or she tries looking up Jack in the system. But the system blocked them out now for some reason. Clint walks, and then a sword goes up to his neck. And you hear Jack's like, don't move. And it's the, I'm pretty sure it's the Ronin sword that he, he stole. And that's where episode three ends. So this, there's just so much charm in this show. And uh, Haley Steinfeld is just, she's, she is perfect as Kate Bishop. I mean, she has that attitude and, you know, because she's just tough. She's a total badass. But she's obviously not a complete professional. You know, she is still learning things. You know, she's, she's screwing up big time and everything like that. But she's just got so much heart. She's got so much skill and and she's just so determined you know she wants to do the right thing and it's, it's just the two of them together this dynamic is is just great and you know because clint's like just really hard on himself but she really believes in him and so yeah i don't, I don't want the series to end so it's, it's going to be sad when that comes up pretty soon so yeah good 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 stuff okay then the second half of masters of the universe revelation so it was a I mean, it, it does get better. There's some parts that are, um, that are all right. So I guess overall, I mean, it was okay. I, I, I don't know what more, uh, what I would have wanted differently or, or what. So I'm just going to try to run through it. I'm not going to go super in-depth just because we're ready over, well over three hours. So episode six, Cleaved in Twain, we see like a, a flashback with uh, Sorceress and Duncan, you know, with baby Tila, she's blessing her for when she needs it most. Um, you know, Sorceress, like, you know, she loves her, but she has to go away, and, you know, she's, she has to go in these mystical waters, whatever. In the present, uh, Tila, Adam, and Andra are bound by magic, you know, thanks to Evil Lynn. Skeletor's rambling, Sorceress trapped. Um, he gets in Sorceress' face that, oh, when the magic came back, she let it all, you know, she let all of Eternia drink it instead of taking it for herself. And Skeletor is like, now I have the power. Adam gets up bleeding. He's like, I'm not He-Man. He's like, I'm Prince. I'm Adam, Prince of Eternia, Defender of. And Skeletor kicks him. He like spits out more blood. He's like, Defender of the secrets of Castle Grayskull. And he's like, and this is my fearless friend Cringer. So he jumps up on Evil and grabs her scepter. Um, the others are free, free. Duncan fights Skeletor. The others help Adam. Skeletor gets the upper hand. Sorceress breaks free. Knocks Evil and Beastman back. But Skeletor says, you know, she doesn't have enough power to face him. She starts blasting him. He uses a sword to block it. Sorcerers use magic to do something to the others, and they teleport away. So Skeletor says that, you know, she's been to Sorcerers too long. It's time for some new blood. He impales her, and Duncan's like, no. And he's like, you know, he's like, why'd you do that? They're, they get teleported outside. Like, Tila fainted. So, you know, they, they go to Adam. He's dying. You know, he, he's he's bleeding. And then uh, Tila sees like a young sorceress, like kind of guide her hands over Adam's wound, and it starts 
she starts using magic to heal them. And it even like heals his shirt that was ripped. And then Sorceress disappears. I love you, little bird. So inside, you know, she drops her hands from Duncan's face and she's like, she turns into sparkles. And, uh, you know, Duncan's like crying and Skeletor is grossed out by his crying. So he hasn't taken to the dungeon. And then, uh, so evil Linz is going to become, you know, he makes her like the new, or declares her like the new Sorceress of Grayskull or whatever. So um, outside, Tila and Andra, they, they have to fight, or they, they, they come up across Clamp, Clamp Champ and Fisto because they they accuse them of, of, they're outside the palace. They accuse them of trying to loot the place because the king and queen aren't, aren't there. But then Cringer, he's like, are you blind? It's Tila. And they're like, oh, you know, they're like, but we don't know who that is. They don't know who Andra is. And then Prince Adam's like, she's a friend of mine. And Adam's like, where is everyone? They said that they sent them off with everything that, that's going on. And... Then they're like, is it true Skeletor's return? And Adam's like, ask him yourself. And a giant Skeletor appears like uh, over the sky. There's like all this dark smoke. He starts turning people into like his army of the dead or whatever. He uh, sees Adam and sends like his death miss after him. They run. They barely make it into the, the castle. Clamp Champ and Fisto both get infected and they target Adam. They fight, uh, but it's too late for them. Andra uses like an, an incendiary bomb on them. Skeletor rambles some more. Skeletor laughs at Adam. He's like, you're not He-Man. You're barely a man. Uh, he says some more stuff, but then Adam starts laughing and Skeletor join, joins in. He's like, wait, what are we laughing about? And he's like, the sword is just a conduit. He's like, the spark, that was always me. So he's like, I always wondered what kind of po- uh, secret powers would be revealed if I didn't have the sword and still said the words. By the power of Grayskull lightning charred floor he's is back but he's like bigger and he's like savage and he's just like dressed in a loincloth so episode seven uh part two episode two whatever you want to call it reason and blood so he-man's like snarling and cringer asks adam if he's okay skeletor's how is this even possible he punches skeletor sends him flying like out of the castle his dead army come at him. He's just like swatting them aside, even though they're swarming all over him. This axe comes, axe comes within reach, so he grabs it, starts like chopping away like all these, you know, the dead zombies. So Skeletor is surprised that He-Man isn't dead when he keeps blasting with his magic. Skeletor, you know, gets gets him surrounded. Teela uses her magic to teleport them away again, and Skeletor is like ticked off. So he goes and grabs Evil Lin by the throat and asks, "How was He-Man able to do that without the sword?" And he's like, you know, he's like, I made you the sources of Grayskull. He's like, the power flows through through her. He's like, did you give him the power? And she's like, no. So he wants to know how to call the power without the sword, too. So they were teleport. They teleported to the Mystic Mountains, and He Man's like freaking out and starts like smashing trees and stuff like that. So Skeletor goes to talk to Man at Arms. You know, how many times did he call the power without the sword? He's trying to get answers. He-Man, meanwhile, he like, killed a manticore. His hands are bloody. He grabs Teela's arm. She says that he's hurting her. Then he hears a horn blare. So he runs into the woods. And they, they see Point Dread. It's surrounded by the power of, uh, of Grayskull from Skeletor's magic. And then uh, just royal seal on, on, on a tent. So King Randor must be there. So He-Man runs out, jumps down there, you know, guards blare the horn. They start throwing spears at him. He jumps and roars, pounds on the guards. He starts, like, tying up all these ropes and chains. You know, they, they, they try grabbing him and, you know, trying to hold him back. And then the king comes out. He sees He-Man and Cringer. 
but he sees He-Man's eyes. He's like, when I thought, you know, my only son was dead, he's like, I barely wanted to be king anymore. He's like, I thought I failed as a father. He yells at the guards, like, stand down. He's like, for years I looked at um, at him as the man I thought he should be, and I was blind to the man he already was. He's like, I know Adam is stronger than He-Man could ever be. And he's like, it takes more might to let that power return. So um, He-Man, you know, starts breaking free the ropes. And the king's like, I'm so sorry. He-Man raises his arm. He's going to smash down a king. He's like, uh, he's like, I haven't, I'm sorry. I haven't told you that I loved you. And he like hugs him. And he's like, I never told you that I was proud of you. And then there's tears and a burst of energy. They all get knocked down. And King is hugging Prince Adam. And he's like in his regular clothes. So where does clothes go? Magic. So Evelyn's looking at herself in a mirror. Beastman asks if she's all right. And she asks, you know, why does he do it? Why does he follow? And he's like, oh, I'm not a leader. And she asks the mirror to show her again. And she sees like Adam and Randor hugging. Then she asks to see every other instance of power being relinquished willingly or not. So Randor, um, in episode eight, the gutter rat, you know, he's like, if this is a trick, I don't care. And then, you know, they're, they're saying how, you know, Tila used magic to teleport them or whatever. Uh, and then uh, Adam's mom arrives and another hug, more tears and stuff like that. So Evelyn goes to talk to Duncan, you know, what's it feel like to lose all his powers? And, you know, he says that they don't fear her, they pity her. And, you know, she has all this power now and what's she done with it? She only does what Skeletor allows her to do. You know, if she's a new sorceress, that makes Skeletor her servant. So then... Evelyn like laughs at Skeletor because you know he wants to use all his power just to kill He-Man, you know, instead of doing anything else. And you know, then later, you know, Beastman, uh, you know, Evelyn talks to Beastman some more about how she met Skeletor. You know, her parents were poor; soon they were going to eat her, so she ran away and lived in like the sewers for twenty years. She lived like that. You know, she was a she pickpockets this dude. She gets chased, runs into this alley. She manages to make a like a little magic spark, but then. It's like not enough. Skeletor appears with this portal and like blasts him. He extends his hand to her and she says that she hates Skeletor, but she owes him her life because he lifted her out of the sewers and taught her to fight. So um, he enhanced her magic and gave her a place where she belonged. And Skeletor says that he thinks she belongs to him. He tells her to be her own and he's like, leave or, you know, he'll kill you one day. So she has to free herself from Skeletor, and she's like, no, she's like, I have to free all of us. So then, uh, so it, it kind of continues, you know, um, Tila tells Adam she understands why he kept a secret for, with the best of intentions, but it still hurt. And he's like, you know, there's one other thing I haven't told you that I should have said a long time ago. Um, and he's like, I tried in Preternia. And she's like, I know. It's like, Sorceress is my mom. She's like, maybe I've, I've always known. And he says he's sorry for hiding it from her all these years. She could have um, known, and but now it's too late. Tila's like, you know, she could have told me herself. And she's like, I guess she just didn't want me to know. Evelyn goes to Skeletor and, you know, says that, you know, they've been back for so long that they haven't done their other favorite pastime. So it's like, what could that be? So she's attracted to power, but, you know, he could kill her. So he has to power down. He has to let the, you know, the power return. And then she smiles and he, she shoves him on his throne and like straddles him and they kiss. But how the heck do they kiss? Skeletor doesn't have any lips. So it's, it's like if she's, she's just like kissing his teeth. 
I, I don't know. She takes his sword and she tells him he's a typical man. He's pathetic. He'll never kill He-Man. And he's like, be reasonable, Lin. He's like, and, you know, why bind you know herself to Grayskull when she can be her own champion? So she's like, by the power of Grayskull, I have the power. And then she, now she has muscles in the six-pack. And Skeletor opens the portal and takes off. So Tila and Adam see magic rising on the horizon. Um, giant... Evil Lynn now talks to everyone, tiny and pathetic people crawling in the dirt. She'll destroy the other castle in Preternia or whatever. Adam says that if she has a power, she must have killed Skeletor. His mom's like, she just killed everyone in heaven because uh, everyone in Preternia or whatever. And Teal's like, the only way to stop the sorcerers with another sorceress. So Adam says that they'll need all the help they can get from anyone. And then Skeletor is brought in chains. And they're like, don't just stand there, you royal boob. Let me in. So Skeletor wants to help them. Episode 9, Hope Destination. Uh, Tila's meditating, you know, trying to figure out, you know, she wants to try to talk to everyone in Eternia about what's happening. Skeletor says Preternia was just an opening act. So if Evelyn, you know, she's going to destroy all of existence. If they work together, he can get them close to her. He-Man will have to call down to power. Skeletor says that he saw him do it already. So, but what he saw was power untempered and it, almost killed a king he's like never again but Skeletor says that you know he if he was born for this you know he's like what does he think he needs to happen Evelyn tries looking into like the magic you know she witnessed the death of the god at the beginning of time or something like that she's the more she sees the more she's convinced that it should all burn Adam and Skeletor arrive at Grayskull they try to ask Lynn not to destroy everything Tila and Andres sneak in from below they end up fighting a, a bunch of dudes and then Man at arms, he he got free too, so he's there. Lynn and Adam um, sword fight. She says that you know hers is bigger. Um, Panthro and Cringer are fighting too. Panthro gets turned to stone, falls, and then crumbles. So Panthro's dead. Tila doesn't know if she can take her on. Duncan says that he knows that she can. He can feel it. When she was trying to call all of Eternia, it reminded him of her mother. And he's like, you know, thank you for being my daughter. He's like, now be something greater. He's like, nothing in the universe will be greater. So Randor and Queen, because Randor and Queen, they, were, they almost were going to leave each other. You know, they're having some bad problems since Adam died and everything like that. Just secret. Because, you know, she supposedly knew a secret, so he was mad at her. They see, you know, a lot of people flying towards them because of, of Tila's call. So, you know, they're like, we need to get over this and, you know, unite, blah, blah, blah. Tila goes um, into this uh, giant, you know, th this thing that takes her down below, like the, the kind of like the elevator thing. And she's down by the magic water. So she sees Sorcerer. She's like, I know your mother. And she's like, of course you do. Um, Sorcerer says that her whole life she wanted to tell her, but, you know, now they're out of time. This is a time of, of transportation. It's a duty of Sorceress to let go of all earthly attachments. But her love for Tila was always there. Tila's like, you don't get to say that. You abandoned me. Sorcerer's like, you know, she's like, I've been with you every second of every day. You know, our bond is unbreakable. But step into water and you'll be tethered to this place for all eternity. Eternity. It's like, you can't leave in human form, but Tila can still do more. So Skeletor and Evelyn continue to fight. Um, they're not <laughs> like not really doing much. Adam jumps down and like cuts her on the cheek. She like swats him aside and like heals a cut. Beastman comes um, to help her and she turns him to this giant like beast and then there's more fighting episode 10 comes with everything you see here 
so Tila is at the edge of the water. She steps in, sees visions, and she says she's ready. Outside, you know, there's fighting. Evil beasts are fighting the people and everything. Um, Evelyn fights uh, is fight uh, Adam and, and Skeletor. She tells Skeletor to pay attention that she's going to do what he never could. She's going to kill He Man. Um, she raises him up, starts crushing. But then this like red banner or something starts forming everywhere and helping. And it turns out it's Oracle. So when Evelyn raised the dead, she raised him too. So Evelyn's like, well, little Oracle, you finally lived up to your name. Or as have I. And he's like, you weren't born evil. And started fighting. Oracle manages to knock the sword out of her, her hand. Adam catches it. By the power of Grayskull, I have the power. And then you're, oh, you guys are in trouble now. Cringer and Skeletor get hit with some power too. And Skeletor is, but why? And He-Man says he wants him to know what it feels like to save the universe too. So it's like, okay, hopefully that's not a mistake. Sorceress tells Tila she deserved more, a life, a father. Tila says that, um, but now she wants her to give all that up. And she's like, I can do this, mom, but I have to do it my way. She's like, you know, they're more than just attachment. They're her friends. The power that they give her is more than a power of Grayskull. So she doesn't have to ever let go. Holding to the, onto the ones that she loves only makes her stronger. So she kind of like hugs her and she's like, it's not enough to just protect the power. She's going to use the power to protect all of Eternia. We have the power. And I was just like, ugh. Okay. So Andra is like this um, total badass now because she's using this gauntlet man at arm. He's like, oh, I don't need this anymore. So she put it on and now she's like, you know, super soldier or something. And, uh, you know, she slices some beasts into pieces. And the king's looking. He's impressed. Cringer kicks uh, Beastman over the edge of the castle, so he might be dead. Probably not. Evelyn says they're entering the center of the universe. They're lined up to make her move to destroy everything. Then light passes over He-Man and Skeletor, and Tila's there, but she has longer hair now and a new outfit. Evelyn's like, congratulations, you made yourself a slave to this place. All she has to do is go outside. Uh, Tila goes out after her. She's like, sorry, the castle's under new management. So they fight in the air so Tila can leave. So she, you know, she's doing things differently. So they're just flying around zapping each other. Skeletor uses this opportunity to try to take out He-Man from behind because he wants to kill him. He's like, this will be our final battle. The, you know, a queen is flying in a ship. She has a special bomb. And she fires Ram Man at Skeletor. Uh, <laughs> Ram Man was a bomb. Tila says that you know, they, they could do great things together. Evelyn says she's heard that one before too. And then, uh, so Cringer jumps up it's like it's almost like can cringer fly too because it's like a really big giant leap uh skeletor does a slow cap clap you know he, he's like he says that he's not going to be ignored or something like that um tila and evelyn are still fighting tila says that you know she's a good person she saved eternia she brought magic back but you know tila's like you know you made choices and, and you change lynn sucker punches her and Lynn's just like, I discovered there's no grand design. The universe has no master. And she uses magic to like chain down Tila. He-Man says that he won't fight Skeletor. But, you know, he, he's like, oh, you will. Tila escapes the, the magic chains. There's more fighting. Uh, Lynn, Evelyn laughs. It's like, see, you know, how beautiful is it, the unraveling of things. But Tila says that she brought them there, that this is her vision. She tells her to see it like she sees it. There's life, you know, life growing, love, the universe, it's magic. So Tila says that she has a power and then Evelyn powers down. 
He-Man and Skeletor are fighting. Um, he tells them not. He tells them to pick up his sword, and he's like, "It has to end this way." And He-Man says, "It's not about us." And he tosses him to the side. Teal arrives carrying Lynn for some reason because I guess she can't fly. Whatever, she doesn't have the magic anymore to fly down. Teela closes uh, like the opening in the sky. She asks He-Man to give her a hand. He raises his sword. Um, Oracle says that he has to go back too because you know he has to go back to being dead. Teal is like, it's like, oh, I didn't realize, you know, when she closed this hole in the sky or whatever. Oracle's like, it's fine. At least this time, you know, I, I get to say goodbye. So he starts floating up, but then Evelyn grabs him his arm. She's like, not this time. And people are cheering. Andre gives Teela a hug. He-Man says, let the power return. So then we see there's a statue of He-Man. King's Court is back to normal. Andra is a new man at arms. She has a new haircut too. So I don't know if shaving the side of your head is part of being man at arms. Duncan tells Teela that he wishes her mother was here. And she's like, she is dad. She is. Adam asks Teela if she's ready to keep the, the secrets of Grayskull with him. And she's like, no, no more secrets. She's ready to share them. And he says, so the first sorceress to leave Grayskull and you're good in the fight. Uh, so you might not need me tagging along. And she's like, no, the sorceress will always need a champion. And where he goes, she goes. And she like puts her hand on his. Then it's like, okay, well, what do you, what do you know? After all this time, I finally know who he man is. And he's like, yes, you do. I am Adam, Prince of Eternia. And, and she's like my hero. Evelyn walks out in the field of flowers and she leaves her scepter behind. Skeletor blasts uh, away. He uh, says that, you know, he, he had the power in his hands. He'd still have it if these blithering fools, you know, stood by his side. So Triclops says that it was the motherboard who told them what to do. And Skeletor, you know, he's like, is this idol your master? He blasts at it, but then it gets blocked. So then the idol, like bird thing starts to change. He gets grabbed by Trapjaw and Triclops and some others. This robotic woman with wings like comes out and he's like, it can't be, it's impossible. But then her nails extend out and they pierce Skeletor. Black liquid flows into him, converting him into like tech or something like that. And then he screams and we see Hordak. So does that mean we'll see She-Ra? We'll see like what Hordak's been up to because Hordak was like banished to the other dimension or whatever, something like that. So who knows if there'll be another part. So that's how it ends. So Teela is now a sorceress. She and He-Man are on good terms. Everyone knows that Adam is He-Man, etc., etc. So it was fine. I mean, it, it was, a, it was a, it's a satisfying ending, you know, better than killing off he-man or whatever and having him dead for the entire half season but there you go so that was masters of the universe okay now we get to the point <laughs> of super crooks and at this point i'm like man this is is this episode too long <sighs> i don't know so i started watching it last week and i, th I think it came out i think it was the wednesday before thanksgiving but you know i'm still trying to watch other shows back then. So I watched it last weekend, last Saturday night. I started and I, I, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, it's Mark Miller. So, you know, of course it's cool. But, you know, it it's really neat that this is an anime. You know, it's a Japanese anime. And it's it's just, there's just something about it. It's it's just so easy to watch. And, again, maybe it's it's the, the 
the like the twenty something minute format, it just feels like the episodes just fly by in a good way. You know, it's not like they're too short or anything like that. You know, you you're just you're engaged and you're watching, and then it just keeps going, and then you're like, oh, I'm going to watch one more, I'm going to watch one more, I'm going to watch one more, and everything like that. <laughs> the funny thing is, I thought there was only ten episodes, and then I was like, oh, okay, this is the end, and it kind of was. Like it almost could have been an end at the the tenth episode, but then it's like, no, wait, there's more, and there's like three more episodes. So I originally planned on going through like episode by episode, like kind of like you know going through it all, but at the same time, that's going to take a long time. So I don't know, you know, maybe I shouldn't have gone. I don't think I went th- through Cowboy Bebop that long this week, but with like He Man with Master Universe, whatever. And also the thing is, I feel like you should watch this, this show. And I I feel bad. So even though I spoil like all of He-Man and, you know, whatever, I, I still feel like you should watch it. So the show, it exists in like the Jupiter's Legacy world where there's like heroes and stuff like that. And it's it's interesting because like the first episode is, is really good to departure because the first episode, it, um, Electro Boy, it's it starts off where we have this kid Johnny, and you know he was watching this show about like the the Union of Justice. You know they're on the news and and uh, Utopian and uh, the Flare. They're in San Diego talking to a bunch of kids, and his mom comes home and, like turns off the TV and she's like, "You have to go to bed." And he's like, "It's only seven, um, and it's because her her boyfriend Randy is going to be coming over." So uh, Johnny is in his room. He has a lot of like union of justice figures and stuff like that. Mom comes in. She's like, you need to go to sleep. And so she turns off the light, but then the light goes back on after she shut it off. And she's like, what are you doing? She's like, I told you to turn this off. But he's like, I'm not doing it. So she does. And then like the, the light bulb bursts. And then, you know, so she like leaves the room, whatever. And, you know, he's looking at a toy car. He's like on off and it works. And then he go, tries it out on the street light outside. So it turns out he can control lights all over the city. So like, you know, mom and Randy are going at it on the couch and the TV fizzles along with the other street lights and stuff like that. And um, then uh, I think he, he makes a, the TV like short out or something like that. So Johnny is like riding to school and he runs into his friend Tom and he said he had his awakening and he, he like rides into an intersection and his friend freaks out, but he makes all the, the stoplights change. So then um, they're, they're walking by school and there's this like bully like listening to boombox and he makes it go loud and it explodes. And, you know, it's, and so his friends doesn't really know like what's going on, but he talks about how he wants to be a photographer and take pictures of superheroes. And they're looking at pictures of like Jupiter's legacy in a magazine. So, um, so his friends like, you know, if you have powers, he's like, you must have their blood in your veins. So he's like, your parents must be heroes. And he's like, well, it can't be my mom. Then he's like, well, what about your dad? And the friend's like, you know, he's like, maybe he could be a real superhero. There's this girl, Janice, um, sees a picture out of the flare in the magazine. And she's like, oh, it's like I saw him once when I was living in Oakland. She's like, I'd love to meet a superhero. And then Tom's like, maybe you will. And so she's kind of dating like the, the the punk bully dude whose radio like blew up. So they, they go to the arcade and Johnny's talking about a name like Electro Boy. And then a bully comes up. He's like, Electro Boy. He's like. He and he calls them virgins, whatever. And Janice is there with them, and she like laughs too. And and Johnny's like, Janice, not you too, because you know it's like she's laughing with them. So they they both leave. 
Johnny designs a look for Electro Boy and Tom like fixes it because it turns out he can draw. So they work on a costume. They talk about training and stuff like that. Um, they, they give him this little mask, but it doesn't seem like the mask would really hide his identity because it's like just so small. So he, uh, he also learns that you know if he builds up his electricity, he can like kind of float and fly. So now they need to find some trouble. So they're, they're standing around at various places. Nothing goes on in this town. So they talk about taking it to the next step, um, show off his powers in front of everyone. And they're like, how about the, the pool next to the mall? Cause, and Johnny hopes that Janice will be there. So they decide that he should fly over the mall and Tom's going to record it on a camcorder. So Electro Boy is above the pool and some kids start to see him. They're like, who is that? And he's like, I am Electro Boy. I will be the one to protect this town and stop all crime. So they think it's cool. Uh, then Janice sees Tommy filming and she's like, Tom? She's like, what are you doing? So bully, um, the bully is like, Electro Boy. He's like, that's Johnny Bolt. And because he, he heard them say Electro Boy at the arcade. And then he's making fun of him. And he's like, what's that silly outfit? And then this is kind of like distracting Johnny. So he starts to fall. And then he lands in the pool. So those not in the pool start running. They, they, and they start running outside into traffic. Cars are swerving. This one like crashes into the Taco Ball restaurant. <laughs> Taco Ball. And uh, the semi crashes into a church. Like one truck can't see because there's like all this smoke and it crashes into gas station. Um, explosion causes like uh, the, the truck to fly and the pigs go flying out of the back. Some land in the pool. Electro Boy is just standing in the pool. And Janice is like sitting there watching. And, you know, so some people got electrocuted or whatever. Johnny feels horrible. He tells Tom, he's like, it wasn't my fault. And Tom's like, you know, he's like, oh, no, it was, it was the plan. And Johnny's like, he's, he's like, you know, he has a great power. If he can't be a superhero, what's he supposed to be? And then the ATM, like next to like where they're sitting, it spits out some money. And he like does it again. He tells Tommy to find him a bag, a big one, because he's leaving this hellhole right now. So he's like, he's super, but he's on the other side. And then it cuts to the present day, and he's in prison. He's in a supermax prison. So that's the first episode. So then we see in the second episode, he gets uh, he let out of prison, and he's like, they're like, oh, see you here again? He's like, nope. He's like, I'm not doing that anymore. He goes out. His girlfriend, the, the, and the intro is really weird. So it's like Johnny and his, his girlfriend, um, Casey, they're just like dancing. And I, I, you get that song stuck in your head. And it, it's 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 almost like what would you say titillating? Like the way it's almost it's it's, it's gratuitous. Let's just say that because the way she's dancing, you know, she's got these like low cut pants, super tight low cut pants, and like the camera angles are like from below. It's that's the only thing. It's like it's not really necessary, but I guess maybe it's to help sell the show to dudes who are pigs i don't know or women who are pigs she picks him up and uh, they're gonna go to her place you know and, and have some special time but his friends are there and and everything so they they want to help him celebrate they have like pizza and stuff like that basically they, they want to commit a bunch of crimes they have this plan like how they, they can um hit like all these jewelry stores if they spend just like a minute at each one and, you know, that way, like, no one's going to find them and stuff like that. So it kind of goes from from there. Because, you know, they're, I don't know if I mentioned that they're in San Francisco. And 
as they, you know, they're robbing all these places, things kind of go a little bad. You know, like the, the police are chasing them, but they're like no match for them. You know, they're getting away and stuff like that. This one cop's like so angry and he like puts out a call for like any like super in the area. And this dude, the Praetorian comes. So this is like episode four. The, the, the thing with him, he's, he has like 200 different superpowers and each one he uses is like random each time. So he doesn't even know what, what's going to come up. And so he, he starts fighting them and things get really messy in and they kind of can't, he's like in the, the union, whatever the, the league of heroes thing, they end up, um, he ends up like kind of defeating. It's like, almost looks like he's like killing them, but he, he doesn't kill them. They barely get away with a little help. And I won't say, uh, okay. It turns out Casey has some powers too. So, you know, she's like, kind of like, she doesn't really use her powers, but she gets them, you know, out of there. So she's like mad at him because, you know, he said that he wasn't going to you know do it anymore. Uh, and, you know, she does all this. But what she's been doing, you know, she's working at this like fancy, fancy like restaurant to like celebrities and stuff like that. But she's also been taking night classes because she's like, you know, when they get to score, she's looking at, you know, getting her MBA or in- investing money and all this stuff. But she also knows that there's like uh, this this uh, one job that they could pull, and you know she doesn't want to use her powers except for this one like guaranteed like huge huge hit. So they're gonna go um, and and talk to to this this legendary villain that was sort of like a mentor to her, and so Johnny's gonna go with her. So they're gonna leave his friends you know behind. The two of them are gonna go and go on to this other mission so then it, it kind of goes from there you know the, the mission it's like this huge thing you you see you know other other cr- powered crooks are involved as well and you know it's just with with each episode and like all this the stuff that happens and um yeah i don't want to give too much away but one one yeah i don't want to give get away too much but there's there's a lot of crazy things and big fights and betrayals and twists and everything like that. So with that, I, I really think you should watch this, this, this episode. I mean, the, the anime, I mean, it's, it's anime always looks, looks great. I mean, I, I'm trying to think if there's ever been an animated has had bad, you know, animation, but it's a, it's just a really good. And the story's really cool. And, you know, you, like I said, it sucks you in and you just want to keep watching and keep watching. It's, you know, there, there are some layers, you know, it's it's not overly intricate and everything, but the way like things kind of fall into place and stuff like that. I mean, it it does seem like it, it's it's a it's a smart plot, you know, with the way things go and and how everything falls apart and like revelations and stuff like that. So I'm going to leave it at that. You should watch Super Crooks. It's 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 good stuff. And um, the thing is, like after the last episode, that that's kind of like the end. It's like, would they ever do more? they kind of settle things i mean obviously they can always do more you know they they can always branch out but i i'm surprised that they just made it one season and didn't try like leaving a cliffhanger but maybe they're just like hey let's just here we go boom here's everything yeah because they could have easily cut it and leave us in suspense but they didn't so i guess that's good and i'm gonna end this episode because four hours is way too long for a podcast so that is this week's episode. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. 
Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. And if you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. Currently talking about uh, Ultimate Spider-Man from 2000. And um, I, I, I kind of want to do something else. Like, I don't know if just focus on uh, like just something like some topic that like I'd like to talk more about super crooks. You know, maybe I do something like that where I go more in depth, go episode by episode, because I really think that like four hours is like t- way too long. Three hours is too long for this show. So maybe I start using the secret podcast to just enhance this. I know I've always said that I wanted the secret podcast to be different and not necessarily be timely stuff but maybe that's just what i do where maybe you know some things i just kind of gloss over just like here's my thoughts on it if you want to hear more detail or more intricate thoughts listen to the secret podcast i don't know you know i'd love to hear if that's something that you think would be a good move or not but if you can't commit to the monthly commitment a monthly commitment you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three and that is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck so what's going to happen next week i don't know if there's any any movies coming out i don't think there's anything like big coming up um don't look up that's the movie with leonardo dicaprio jennifer lawrence that's coming out on netflix on december 24th but i believe it's opening in theaters on december 10th for like a limited run. I don't know if my theater is going to have it. If my theater has it, I'll, I'll go check it out and let you know ahead of time how it is, you know, cause I'm, I'm happy to support these movies, you know, to, to make, cause I don't, I, maybe Netflix doesn't, I, I don't know. Aren't they like in debt? It's like, how do they afford all this stuff? And how are they making money when you know, whatever? I don't know. So, but I don't think there's anything else coming out in theaters next week. Um, Spider-Man's uh, on the 17th. And then, like on the 22nd is Matrix and Kingsman, which I think are both the same day. So I think may, I might push like the Kingsman to the following week because I don't think there's anything that week. And um, as far as TV shows, so I might get a breather a, a part away from these crazy long episodes because Chucky is done. There's no Cowboy Bebop. There's no um, Masters Universe. Um I might try to watch Lost in Space. I don't think I'll be able to do everything. So if I don't see a movie, Lost in Space might be the feature. And maybe I'll, I don't know, I'm, hopefully I'll be able to watch at least half the season to get, you know, get an idea of how it's going so far. Oh, my goodness. I just, I need more time um, to do everything. So with that, why ramble on when I need to, you know, put this all together Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you so much for being here. I'm glad you're listening. I'm glad you're able to support. Um, I hope you are doing well. I hope you are ready for the holiday season. Hope you're in good spirits. You know, this isn't, um, it's not an easy time for, for, you know, a lot of us. So I hope you're doing all right. You're feeling okay. Um, I hope my, my little show, my long show can help out. I'm, I'm, you know, would like to help you know make things a little better whatever you know however i can so just be be sure you know take care of yourself um reach out to people that you know see how they're doing and just you know remember be good to each other (laughs) 